This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts, leading the league in podcasting entertainment. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. This is the Fast Break Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Anderson. Alongside me, as always, is Ricky Wibber. What's up, what's up, guys? And Dave Oster. Hey, everybody. And today is NBA Draft Day. We just finished up a four-hour live stream covering the first and a little bit of the second round on twitch.tv slash Podcast. We want to give a shout-out to everybody that was in there. We had over pretty much 100 people consistently. Mm -hmm. We maxed out at 140. Um, It was an absolute blast to have everybody in there so shout out to all of you guys that were in there and girls that were in there we appreciate all of your support it was an absolutely fun time and we have a loaded podcast for you we're gonna have dave on for a segment to talk about the best and worst drafts to kick off the podcast and then we are gonna go and talk about the fall of the night in bull 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 is now a nugget after being selected by the heat with the 44th pick and then traded to the nuggets <laughs> then we'll talk about who had a better draft the hawks or the pelicans we'll probably talk about them as well in the uh, first segment as well then we'll talk about kobe white was he the right pick for the chicago bulls dave and ricky are bulls fans we'll get ricky's side ricky not a fan of the pick i am a fan of the pick at least from a bystander then the celtics uh did they have a bad draft got a lot of crap in the uh, Discord and also or in the Twitch, and then also uh, Bill Simmons, Celtics fan, uh, it was not a fan on Twitter of their draft. And then finally, we'll wrap it up with Does Mike Conley make the Jazz a title contender? A trade that happened before uh, the NBA draft, but we should cover it since we are an mm-hmm. NBA podcast and it at least dealt with the draft as the Grizzlies got that pick from the Jazz and then moved up and took Brandon Clark. But we'll get to that in the segment but before we do all that stuff and before i let ricky jump in mm-hmm. check out discord uh or check out uh, patreon.com slash myself podcast you can check it out we have a discord that's popping off right now you can join it for a dollar a month on patreon.com slash myself podcast retro asking about who the he- who's terrence man like clipper fan <laughs> needs to know who they drafted uh yeah florida state guard uh <laughs> and then with the five dollar tier you can ask us some questions suggest a uh, topic for a podcast and then finally you can join us for ten dollars and you can join us on a podcast. Uh, I know John's going to be joining us soon to talk about the Suns pick of Cameron Johnson. But boys, let's jump into it after we plug Patreon, after we plug Twitch. The thing I wanted to add about Twitch really quick, because yep. it was a great stream tonight. Oh, subscribers? Four and a half hours. Mm. We averaged 114, maxed out at 157. Literally what Sean said. 736 unique viewers. Wow. And you can now subscribe to most valid podcast, one million or one thousand three hundred and sixty-eight live views for us tonight. That's pretty That's crazy. Awesome. So thank you guys so much for making it a great night on Twitch.tv. Four subscribers. Thank you for all the people who sub tonight. Four. Yes, it says four new new subscriptions. Well, we missed one of them. We That's know Dave's one of them. We know Jake's, Jake's one, one of them. them. We know uh, Ben's one of them. It says on our live stream report. It says we got four new subscriptions tonight. Dope. Well, we'll figure it out. (laughs) Dope. Uh, dope. Anyways, uh, let's now move into the topic at hand, and that is the best and worst draft. So let's jump into it. Uh, Guys, let's start with the best side. Let's start off positive. Uh, A lot of good drafts to talk about. Pels and Hawks, obviously one of them. Uh, But in your opinion, Dave, who came out of this on top? Who had the best draft when you look at all the players they selected or player that they selected? Uh, This is tough. I I love... Three different teams out of this grouping. The one that I'm going to have to go with, it seems cheesy, but it's going to be the Grizzlies. Um, I absolutely adore. The, well, they got lucky. Let's put it that way. They got lucky with John Rant. That was the big key to success. How'd they get lucky? Getting the number two pick. 
It wasn't, you know, that was so lottery wise. They got lucky with the lottery. Not rigged. Mm. Not rigged. It worked out the way Still it should. Still on it. Still on it. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I just, I absolutely love him. I think he's going to be an absolute stud. And then we saw later on, I know we'll hit the Mike Conley thing, but they did end up with Grayson Allen as a filler piece from that trade. And as well, they added another piece in this draft, and I'm already at the point of the night where I don't remember names. Brandon Clark. Brandon Clark, who was only the second most productive player in college basketball this past year. Yes, he doesn't have a great wingspan to him, but he has incredible defensive instincts. He's 6'8 with a 6'8 wingspan. We don't know at the NBA level if he's going to be playing more of a 4 or a 3. There's rumors of him you know, trying to work on his shots so he can improve his spacing, but you're going to get a guy who has had an improved game year over year over year, and I absolutely love his fit on this team defensively with he and Jaron Jackson Jr. together on the court is terrifying to other teams. Everything is getting swatted. Everything. Mm-hmm. Ricky, who came out of this the best? So I'm bouncing, I'm bouncing around from two teams, and the one that I think I'm going to lean towards is the Pelicans. And the reason why it was either them or the Celtics. And the Pelicans, a little bit kind of like what Dave said with the Grizzlies. You lucked into it a little bit. You won the lottery. You got Zion Williamson. But not just that. You make a deal with the Hawks. You get the eighth pick, which you get Jackson Hayes, which, cool, helps out. You needed a center. You traded Anthony Davis. You might lose Julius Randle in free agency. And then with the 17th pick that they got from the Hawks, they get Nikhil Alexander-Walker, three guys, Zion Jackson and Nikhil, that I think can help this team on top of what they got with B.I. and Lonzo in that Laker deal to where this is a team where I think now the ceiling is maybe they compete for the eighth seed in the playoffs, but this is definitely now a good young team that could develop with Drew Holiday being their main veteran, unless we see after this season if they decide to trade him. But that's a story for a different day. Yeah, yeah I think, I mean, I agree with you at least. I mean, mm-hmm. Pelicans, it's hard not to say winner if you're getting Zion Williamson. You're getting the best yeah. player in this draft class, so it's tough for them not to be a winner in that one. Um, and then I agree with you as well. Um, I, I think that team did a f- fantastic job. I forgot what team you said, but I know they the did Grizzlies. Fantastic, the Grizzlies. Mm-hmm. I know they did a fantastic job. They got two uh, of my favorite John Morant, yeah. I mean, technically got the second best player too, so congratulations. Yep. I mean, it's tough to screw that up, but... Getting Brandon Clark as well fell a little bit, but 21, that was a well-worth pick. Absolutely. And you see the defense that could be out there um, when you roll Jaron Jackson out there. He might not be the biggest. Uh, he, he might not be able to be on the floor a ton just because uh, of hey, foul hopefully trouble. he works on that. Um, yeah, he'll work on that. He's, he's still super young. And you get Brandon Clark, who is, is a phenomenal defender. And Ja projects to be a decent defender if he's able to at least add some bulk to himself. But offensively. Yeah, offensively is where he's going to make his money. Um, I'm going to go with the Heat. I think they had a, fin- a, f- a pretty good draft. Um, they I didn't like get it. a point guard, which I was a little sour on, um, but we kind of expected them to take a two guard, whether, whether that be Langford, whether that be um, Kevin Porter Jr. They end up going Tyler Hero, but I still like that pick a lot. Yeah. You're surrounding point guard Justice Winslow with shooters uh, along with uh, Josh Richardson. Uh, you can add uh, another shooter next to him as well, which would be big. And then they went and got uh, Casey Akpala uh, with the 32nd pick, and I think that's a fantastic pick. They traded up. They tried trade, I think, three second rounder, three sec- future second rounders to get that pick. Um, but Casey Akpala was a guy that I was pretty high on. I had him as a first-round grade. And getting him and letting him kind of grow in that culture could be huge because Justice was obviously able to show his playmaking abilities. And Casey Akpala grew up as a guard, hit a major growth spurt, and this is a team that's all about 
you know, making sure your body fat's low and building up muscle. And that's what KZ Ipala needs. He needs to be in that culture. He needs to build up more. And I think if he's able to do that mm-hmm. and work on his facilitating game, he could be a very dangerous prospect at 6'9 with that length. So I really like the Heat's draft. They almost also got Bull Bull, too, but they traded him to Denver. Uh, Denver had a nice draft, too. I, I didn't want to go with, you know, Pelicans, obviously. Yeah. I didn't want to go with Memphis. No, that's fair. We did um, cherry pick the top of the draft. I thought yeah. you were going to go with a different team, Sean. A- Atlanta? No, I thought oh. you were going to go with Detroit. Because they got I, your boy, like yeah. they got your boy, Davidas Servitas. I don't know. He's one of my favorite. Is he going to come over? Or is he a draft and stash? Not one hundred percent locked in one way or the other. And I like I Isaiah Roby in the second round as well. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't dislike the Servitas pick at all. Um, I, I, I like that pick. I yeah. obviously love the uh, the um, Seku, the Seku pick. Um, the one iffy part about that though was then going Roby. I don't think you needed another three. That was my personal thing. I would rather them go a point guard uh, in that spot, mostly a Tremont Waters. I thought that would be a better pick for them. They didn't go with that, so I was a little confused on that. Because they but... are adding Tony Snell via the Bucks trade that they made. Yeah, but he's on point guard. Uh, yeah, he's a wing, yeah, though. Yeah, so I'm he's saying. another wing. So I, I, I don't think that's... They're, the they're stockpiling wangs. Yeah, but they got Blake Griffin, who, hey, maybe he's going to average eight assists next year. Uh, but yeah, that's that was the one thing that kind of soured me, but I still think they had a good draft. Um, but if I had to say best draft, that obviously wasn't the Pelicans or Grizzlies, I would go towards Miami. And then I think throwing in uh, Atlanta, too, getting yeah. DeAndre Hunter would be big and getting Cam Reddish also big as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would throw in Minnesota, too. Uh, getting Jared Culver, I think, was a fantastic pickup. And they got a guy that I like, too, in Jalen Noel uh, from Washington. I think he's going to be a very good uh, scoring guard. So I think those three teams I would give props to. But if I had to pick one, I'd go Miami. Uh, let's go to the fun part, though, where we get to bash teams. We're the worst draft. <laughs> I'm going to go with one that you're probably not going to expect, the Oklahoma City Thunder. Um, and the reason why I'm going to say this is, is that the one you were going to say, Dave? No, I, okay. I completely so disagree with you. The reason why I say <laughs> the Thunder is because, so they make a trade with the Grizzlies to bounce back to 23. Yeah. And the thing that has been reported by Woj and Sham, the two guys on the stream, Dave said, unless it comes from those two, don't believe it. Damn right. Well, it came from Woj or Sham. Um, that they wanted to move back, get second-round picks, because they wanted to free up some cap space. There were guys like Roberson, Adams, um, Schroeder, all on the board. Take them if you want them. We need cap space. And to take Darius Baisley at 23. I'm not saying Baisley's the bad pick about this. Mm -hmm. For me, this is a fail. It's not many times we've got to say this. I said this is a fail for Sam Presti, because you came in with one goal in mind to free up cap space by getting second rounders instead of a first, and you couldn't do that. With that being said, this is okay. a fail by the Thunder. What, I, I disagree with that because that was reported, but that's mm-hmm. 100% not necessarily true. The Thunder didn't come out and say, we need to free up cap space. So we could have gotten possibly a, uh, an idea where Presti went to his owner and said, hey, we're not going to be able to do that. Can we go over the luxury tax? And he got okay from his ownership. If he did, then it doesn't matter. And he went out and got the but, best player who he thought in, in his mind was going to help his team. And Basley is a very interesting prospect, a former five-star recruit, a very tall player at 6'9", mm-hmm. and possibly a playmaker as well at that wing position. I think that's a very interesting pick for them. And although they might not have traded back, I think it's a pretty good get for them at 23. Well, and the thing is, I am saying it's... They also traded back and still got a future pick I'm for saying it. it's a bad pick, mainly because of, like I said, what the goal was. And if they couldn't make a trade, it's true. Presti could have went to the owner and said, hey, 
I can't get something to work. Can we go over the luxury tax? And if you're the owner, you're sitting there going, well, okay, like, what else are you going to say? No, we can't. And you can't find a trade. Like, you got to pick someone if you can't. I get that it was probably a sticky situation. I would love to hear what it was like. Could they have found a trade? Were there talks for that 23 after they made that trade? I just, for me, if you wanted to free up cap space and you wanted second rounders, why would you but make a pick unless you it, absolutely have to? That's what it, I want to know. Then come July 6th when the new mm-hmm. year starts and you roll over, maybe teams, when they have freed up cap space, will be more willing to take on mm-hmm. Steven Adams' contract and then you can free up cap space. Maybe it's just not the right time now to do so. And I don't think it's that bad of a, a get from Presty. Presty has proven that he's been able to put together a playoff team around Russell Westbrook. He's been able to prove that he can go out in the draft and find players that are at least interesting. You know, he hasn't been dealing with, you know, top picks like James yeah. Harden, Russell Westbrook, and Kevin Durant for a while. But he's been going out and getting guys that have a lot of potential and a lot of raw athleticism. Hamadou Diallo, Terrence Ferguson, now Basley as well. I think it's a pretty good pick for them. And again, they didn't pick at the slot they were normal. They were mm-hmm. slotted to at 21. They moved back to 23 and got a future 2024 second round pick. But still, you got something to move back and still get your guy. I don't think it's a bad draft for them at all. Yeah, I'm with you. I think you just go for pure upside. At that point, he was on the board. He was their guy. And I I, I understand timeline mm-hmm. might not be great, but they still have time. There's no, They're not under the gun to get you know all the cap space cleared up to this point you know you're gonna pay the luxury tax yes it's just a matter of how much are you gonna eat and you still got a couple of days i don't think there's any rush to you know trade back tonight just because the difference between a first round at 21 24 versus a second rounder no i'm not i'm not even worried about that i'm just i'm expecting the thunder to not be able to like you you mentioned the hey they can move a guy i don't think they do i think they keep it and it's like that's why I'm saying I just don't like it. I didn't like the plan from the Thunder from what I heard leading up to the draft. Fair enough. I'm taking the easy layup on this one, Sean. Thanks for tossing the softball to me. Uh, it's the Phoenix Suns. What sorry. the fuck did you do? Sorry, John. What did you do, John? What did Z? I'm sorry. I just I, we need to, we need to find Z. Can anybody find Z? Where's Z? <laughs> Thank you. You know, Jaws and Nor- Nor- Um Cam Johnson. All right, let's let's start where this all started. Number six pick. Mm-hmm. They were like. Great. The Timberwolves want to trade up, and we get, you know, Dario Sarge. So we get a four who can score, who can pass. He can do a little bit of everything for us. He's a good player, not the best defender, but he'll try. Um, Great, great value, maybe. When I see six and I see Kobe White on the board and on the Suns, do I want to move back? I, I don't. I personally don't. But they have different plans in mind, and we'll get to that in a sec. So they're like, cool. Timberwolves, we'll do the deal. We'll move back. We'll take an established player. We'll get a four who is going to be our guy. And then they go at 11. And there's plenty of talent still on the board at 11. And they reach on Cam Johnson. Now, I say reach on Cam Johnson because no one outside of John, our Patreon sub, uh, J-Dub, shout out to you, Mm -hmm. had him going anywhere above or anywhere sooner than 20, Mm -hmm. I believe. He had 13 to the heat. Yeah, every other mock was 20 plus, 20 plus, 20 Mm -hmm. plus because he is a multi-year college player he's a good shooter he's a decent defender he's a good wing but he's also like 22 23 whatever his age is at this point he's gonna be 28 when his rookie contract ends insane absolutely insane so that we were all confused just this this draft was mind-boggling it was insane from the get-go but that pick just really set everything off because i just don't understand how you can turn the number six pick when you have the option to get a point guard like kobe white 
who I know we've kind of argued is he a, a combo guard? Surely can he be a great fit with um, Devin Booker? I don't know. That that that's we'll never know. Mm-hmm. But they did go back at twenty four, traded up to get that twenty fourth pick uh, from the Boston Celtics, right? Twenty fourth, yeah. Yep, Celtics. And no, Celtics were at twenty and twenty two, so twenty four was the f- f- Sixers. Which I'm looking it up. They got from the Boston Celtics. Yeah, because the okay. Sixers made the Thibel trade. Because that was the trade. trade. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah, you're right. So, uh, Ty Jerome with that selection. Jerome at that point, yeah, he's a good player. He's just, he was a older veteran point guard, played through the tourney, tons of tape on him. I feel like they just took the draft strategy of pick the safest possible route, get the guys who are proven veterans, and don't in my opinion, don't have a ton of upside still left on their end. And you're you're a team that's just bad. You're real bad. You've been real bad. And it might be frustrating because you guys keep striking out in the draft. Uh, in the past, you know, you had that double power forward draft with Dragon Bender, Marquise Chris. You've had a couple other guys that haven't panned out great. But I feel like this is like a reactionary to the other end. You're like, we want established talent. We want older veterans coming out of college. Mm-hmm. And we're no, we can't miss on these guys. You also can't hit a home run on these guys either. That's my concern. It, I, I don't know how much this well, is going to shift you forward here's the in the o- Western Conference. Here's the only thing I can think of. And I want to say, not in love with the pick, um, but I'm going to do the same thing like I did on the live stream when Sean said he hated the Warrior pick. I'm going to try to come from the other side and kind of see what they were thinking. And one of the things that James Jones, um, GM, I believe GM, mm-hmm. um, quote me if I'm wrong, You're right. um, of the Sun said on the radio in Phoenix yeah. before the draft is that their average age, I want to say he said was 22. Um, so I th- wonder if that played into it where he talked about the point guard position. That had to be their starters because the Bulls were younger at 24. Bulls were the youngest team. And the, they had Jamal Crawford on the that point, I, I'll pull it up in a second that and yeah, fact check it. the age. But his point is we're a young team. Mm. And he was talking about the point guard position and how, you know, they might not want to go with a younger point guard. Because they need veterans on this team. Yeah. And the only thing I can think of, and you can kind of say the same with um, Ty Jerome in a sense, but more so with um, Cameron Johnson, is I wonder if this was a, hey, we really like Brandon Clark. We really like Cam Johnson. Cam Johnson is a better shooter. Brandon Clark is great but he's not that great of a shooter compared to Cam Johnson. And they wanted to add an older player because of where their average team is. And they didn't want to add like an 18 year old, 19 year old who's going to be below that age and needs to develop into where the okay, players are already at. Brandon Clark is older. Brandon Clark was, a, well, a, I think a four year guy. Not a shooter. And, but yeah, he, okay, that's what I'm saying. True. Like, but if, if between those two mm-hmm. age, isn't really a difference. It's just the shooting. Um, but the problem that I have with that pick is you could have traded back and helped your team out more yeah. and possibly loaded up more assets. Cam Johnson was not worth the 11th pick. The Heat weren't going to take him. I think they probably had Hero as a better prospect. Most people did. Yep. I don't think that the the Celtics were going to go be an eye at him at the at the, the the 14th pick either. I probably think they were going to be looking for uh Romeo Langford. Yep. Same with the Cel- uh, the Hornets too. I think they're probably looking PJ Washington. They'd probably be iffy, but I don't see a reason why they'd go after Cam Johnson. Uh I mean I, even then, I mean just look at PJ Washington, the guy who went right behind him. 
He's yeah. a better player. He's younger, and he brings you. He gives you shooting at that <laughs> position. I just don't get it. He's stronger too. There's a lot of concern about Cam Johnson, who's had multiple surgeries. Why would you go with him at 11? That's just that's the worst pick in my mind. Yeah, I I, I balance you know the the bad Jordan Poole pick, but again, you could have moved back and still made that pick. Yep, the Cam Johnson pick at like 20, and I still think it would have been a bad pick. See, that's tw- the thing. You could have moved back eight spots, and I think it would have been a bad pick. That's at 20, that's I would have accepted it a whole lot easier. Oh, without a doubt. That's, without that's a doubt. my thinking. It's way easier to swallow than 11. Like, there was just five minutes of us reacting on that live stream of just, what the fuck is going on? Like, what don't we know about Cam Johnson? And I know he's a great shooter. I know that he has played solid basketball under one of the best programs in college. But at the same time, how do those guys translate to the NBA again? Not so great. Yeah. Not so great. So, mm-hmm. yeah, the, the Suns are a head-scratcher for me. Did they get their point guard, or did they get a point guard that I trust? Yes, I trust Ty Jerome. Do I think that that's a bad pick at 24? No, not not terrible. But again, it comes down to value for pick, and you know I don't know that 11 pick just throws everything off. It really does. Yeah, I I I, I would probably say they'd be my worst, but just to differentiate yeah. from you. Golden State had the second worst pick in my mind, taking Jordan Poole at 28. I don't understand that pick at all. Take someone with a higher upside than Jordan Poole. Jordan Poole is barely a second-round prospect, and you took him at 28. You made a better pick with Eric Peschkal at 41. You should have made that pick there. You should have taken Jordan Poole at 41. You could have waited that long and taken him. And, hey, maybe this draft is super fucky, and Jordan Poole doesn't go there. But you still could have went after a better player. You would have, you would have been gifted if Jordan Poole was off the board before you selected a 41. That would have been a gift. So I'd be absolutely I'm, I was absolutely shocked that they went with it. But they they still made two decent picks after that. So I can't say that they're the worst picks. All right. So I I'll give Golden State a little bit of credit because I do like their second round picks. Uh, picking up. Uh, Alan uh, Samadzidek, the Serbian who came over and played in their G League system. Yep. They knew a lot about him. 18 years old. Keep him in your system. I understand it. I'm fine with that pick. Eric Peschkal at, at, at 41 2. I'm fine with that pick. I think I'm going to either have to settle between Washington, the Wizards, reaching on Rui Hachimura. I don't like his basketball sense. I don't think he's going to be able to develop too well. I talked about it on the podcast or the, on the live stream as well. I think you need more of a shooter on the outside uh, than what. You current, I mean, than what he currently is, he's going to need to develop more around Bradley Beal and John Wall because mm-hmm. those guys, John Wall especially, drive a ton. So you're going to need to clear the lane space for them. I don't know if Hachimura does that. I don't know if he stretches the floor well enough, especially to play the three. And maybe if you play him at the four, it's a little bit easier to swallow. But I still don't think he does it effectively enough. Um, but they picked Schofield at 42, which I, I think is a decent pick. Um, yeah. But I think I'm probably going to have to settle on Orlando. And I know you love. Chuma and I know we've been on the good side of uh, of Orlando fans, but Chuma Okeke uh, out of Auburn at six seven, uh, he's an interesting player. Just recently tore his ACL. If he finished out and didn't tear, tear his ACL, I think the value would have been in fine at sixteen. I think it's just the team picking him that yeah. I think screwed up. Nikia Alexander Walker was still on the board, and I think that would have been the perfect player for them. They needed a combo guard. They needed especially a guy who could play the two. Yep. They needed a guy who could shoot from the outside. Chuma can do that. But Chuma is more of a three in my mind. You're going with a bigger player, and you already have Jonathan Isaac. You already have Mo Bamba. You already have Nikola Vucevic. If he resigns, he's going to be a free agent. You have Aaron Aaron Gordon Gordon. as well. Mm -hmm. I don't understand this pick. And yes, you have Fournier, but Fournier has a contract that I think is going to be moved soon. I think he's even a free agent. He's $19 million for this year and next year, I think. Yeah, and I, I think that he's a contract that 
you could probably move decently. He's a good three-point shooter, and he I think it's shooter. probably time to move on from him because he's a little bit older than what your core is. I think you need to go younger. And Nikki Alexander-Walker fix, fits that core perfectly. And I think the biggest thing that it would help, too, is it takes spells away from Markel Fultz. If Fultz is able to come back, yeah. taking the pressure off of Fultz and easing him back in would have been better. And I, I think going with Chumo Keke, it was, a, it was a missed opportunity. I think it was a bad pick uh, for the Orlando Magic. You had the ability to address the two-guard position. That was the glaring weakness of his team. Kevin Porter Jr. was available. Nicky Alexander-Walker was available. I dislike the pick. Yeah, I mean, the thing is with them, I agree with you. If I was them, I would have went with Nikhil Alexander-Walker, who went immediately after them yeah. to 17, where it almost feels like we're in the position of, what was it, last year, two years ago, where it's like, oh, man, Orlando really needs a point guard. They should take a point guard. Nah, we're not going to take a point guard. We ain't like, doing that's that. What we're this, not pulling for your That's what trap. this felt like, where everyone was like, man, they really use a two-guard. How many comment sections when we put someone, oh not, when I put Cabin Jelly, Ricky, you're an idiot. They need a two-guard. They need a two-guard. Go with a two-guard. And they didn't go with a two-guard. They went with a 3-4. Three, four. Like, four, three. and in, uh, one who's injured, too, where yep. I don't think he's playing the beginning of this no, season because of where he Guaranteed. got injured in March. I don't know. It, it would be different if they didn't make the playoffs, in my mind. But this is a team that made the playoffs. Yep. Beat the def- beat what now would be the defending champions next year, the Raptors, in game one, thanks to the supernova of offense. Um, Terrence, Terrence Ross. Ross. Shout out. But, I mean, it would be different if they weren't a playoff team. This was a playoff team. And that's why, to me, it's like, what are you doing here? Mm-hmm. That's why I would agree with you. I didn't like the pick. I would have went with Nikhil. Chuma's got interesting, per, per, uh, Chuma's got interesting potential, but mm-hmm. I just— He does. I, I, I don't— I don't think it's... But the fit on the team's confusing. Yeah. Another fit on a team that's confusing to me is your boy Goga, or Ricky's boy Gorga, mm-hmm. uh, going to the Pacers. That one... I the love the because I like the value, but you're right But the two the guys on the team are already there are Miles Turner and Demonis Sabonis, and I don't know... I, this spells more to me that Demontis is getting moved because they're not going to pay for his contract in addition to Miles already was set up with his um, extension off his rookie contract, so it's just a lot of money for guys who can't play together. Mm-hmm. And Goga, we we love his foot. We love his footwork offensively. I think that uh, he's he's got a good touch on that side of the ball. Defensively, he's a big guy. He takes up a good amount of space. I just I, you know, I think it's partially just it's a weird thing because I expect them to maybe go after somebody who could help fill them in uh, offensively at the wing at the two three position with Oladipo coming back from. A horrible injury and Boyan being up for grabs this year. I mean, that's it's a big question mark for me. I know there's rumors of them going after D'Lo and Fringency for point guard. You drafted Aaron Holiday last year. Yeah, it didn't really get a chance to play much this year. We're well, gonna have to worry about Vic coming back too. That's the thing is I and no Tyreek Evans. I know he was terrible anyway, but point being, like I just felt like you had a lot to address and maybe trading down to get a couple guys to fill in some of those stopgap spots. I mean, you're going to have to really kill it in free agency. This was a team with high expectations, and I just don't understand the decision for Goga there. Well, and that was their only pick, too, because they, yep. they got rid of their 32nd pick, and they uh, they uh, they gave it to the Suns. They ended up taking T.J. Warren on, so they will have an answer kind of for Bojan uh, leaving at the three. So that was kind of addressed, but at least with the point yeah. guard position, you're right. But 
Personally, the reason why I'm fine with it mm-hmm. is just because I love Goga so much as a prospect. I didn't love Chuma that much. I thought that was more of a reach, especially when you're looking at my big board. Yep. That was about 10 spots to like 12 spots higher than I originally had him at. Um, so that was something that I was worried about. Where Goga, I mean, you he fell about 12 spots for me. So I think that's yeah. why I like the pick. And you brought up a, a little bit during the live stream about Sabonis' contract yep. uh, that's coming up soon. He's going to be in RFA soon, so they might not be able to tender him. That might be a reason why they're going with Goga. Although, Turner and Goga overlap a lot positionally. They're yeah. both playing the five. They cannot play together. It, it has not worked well in Indiana for them. They're just skill set wise it doesn't work well Sabonis and Turner yeah but you're you're also thinking that the Turner and Goga is going to overlap as well I don't yeah I say I, I don't really love that either I don't ugh ugh I'm just <laughs> ill a bunch of times I, just, I, I, I guess I'll have to wait and see mm-hmm. but I would put my money on Sabonis being traded final thoughts on well, winners and losers or so best or worst I got two one is just a quick one off of one you said I actually like the Wizards and their draft only because I've been a little bit higher on Rui um, than most of, most of us, and because Bobby Portis, does this mean they don't re-sign him? The $20 million from Jabari, do they team-op it and say, hey, we are going to take you back because we need someone to fill up some cap space, or do they say, nope, walk it? He could get some playing time, especially with Scotty Brooks. I know last year they Brown Jr., they didn't play the rookie that much. And I like their second-round pick, Admiral Schofield. I think he had shooting um, as from the wing, like in the second round. The one that I wanted to ask you that shooting. is kind of confusing. Yeah, Admiral Schofield, he can shoot from three. Mm. He can stroke it sometimes. He's not amazing, but like he adds from the outside. I think and I like the, that the, as the a dude's wing. breaking muscles in defense. I don't know about <laughs> shooting. The, thing that, the yeah. question that I have is yep. what are your thoughts on the Mavericks? who traded out of the second round. They had their pick. We thought Shamari Pons. They could have even gone with a center because they got Kristaps, Dwight Powell, and Max Keebler are the right now RFA slash team people signed that are bigs on their team. And they traded out, and the Bulls right after them took Daniel Gafford. So for me, it's kind of like a, huh, was there a reason why they traded out? Are they more worried about free agency than getting someone in the second round. I think round. that's probably what it is, is just worrying about free agency. And they probably didn't love anybody. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, they could have addressed things, but yeah. I think they're probably looking at it and, like, probably some of the guys that they liked were just going to be undrafted free agents anyway. So mm-hmm. why waste a draft pick, get picks in if future drafts? If you get something, in? yeah. Because, I mean, they don't have future picks next mm-hmm. year. They, they have a lot tied up in the Kristaps thing, so at least yeah. you'll have some in other drafts. You obviously didn't have one in this draft because it went to the Hawks, but possibly they just didn't like this draft and wanted to get rid of it. I uh, also like the Knicks. Get RJ in the first, Kyle Guy in the second. Yep. Add some good offense to that team. Sixers, I just got to toss out a quick thing. Like, Danny Ainge just fucks with you guys, right? <laughs> but that's that's Danny Ainge's job why is just trade to with the Sixers. Like, I know you get Matisse Tybull, but why trade with him? Yeah, I Because with your pick, he's going to take the guy you want. He took Carson Edwards in the second <laughs> round, one pick ahead of the Sixers. <laughs> Watching uh, the chat, and that was fantastic. With yeah. their own pick. Yeah, several several Sixers fans in chat just freaking out and swearing him out. It was, <laughs> it was great. Uh, I think Matisse is good, though. So, yeah. we'll see. But it was just funny Danny Ainge being Danny Ainge. Boston and, also got your boy, Sean. Waters at LSU. Yeah, they got Tremont Waters, they got Carson Edwards, they got uh, uh, Romeo, and they got, who was the other kid they took uh, in the first? Um, Boston took um, Grant Williams. So, I mean, they did pretty decent. Pretty also, decent as we're recording draft. this, we're three away from the end. I know, Naz no Naz Reed, no, no Taco Fall. Good for no Taco <laughs> Fall. Um, Warriors, not, Raptors, and Kings are left. Yep. 
Uh, well, Warriors just traded their pick to the Jazz. And they took and my, my Ioni. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so that's a good pick for the Utah Jazz. Anyways, that was our final thoughts on best and worst. Uh, Washington, I'm going to be intrigued to see how Rui fits there. But uh, initial thoughts is I, I like, like it. it as well. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Rich like is it. saying I like it. I don't like it. So yep, let us know what I you like think it. down in the comments below. Who had the best and worst draft and what do you think about Washington taking Rui Hachimura? Let us know down in the comments below. We're going to also say farewell to Dave. Yes, we are. So we'll say farewell today. He's got to sleep. And Ricky and I will join you Quick in the shout next out. segment. Denver got Bull Bull. You guys are my real MVP tonight. Um, thank you. I had, a, I had a small small thing on them, but you guys are doing a full segment on him later. And, and shout out to Ben Feller as well. Mm-hmm. He was one of the other subscribers uh, on our Twitch stream. So shout out to nice. Ben Feller. Also, you know what John's laying out oh, in our God, Discord? What's that? Is apparently from Woj, Kawhi might meet with the Sixers. Hmm. So there you go. Uh, let us know down in the thoughts about best and worst <laughs> NBA drafts. But let's move into the next topic. We want to thank Dave for uh, giving us his time. He's got so, two early work meetings. So much room over here yeah, after, it's... what, four or five hours of being cramped in a little space? Yeah, you guys don't mind it. You guys are best friends. No. Uh, let's talk now about the probably the biggest surprise of the night. We'll skip all the way to the 44th pick where the yeah. Miami Heat Whew. select center out of Oregon, Bull Bull, and then he, they trade him immediately <laughs> to the Denver Nuggets. Uh, I'm going to start off Go ahead. first with this because I've you been were a the staunch Bull Bull, like not yeah. hater, but I was just I, I was against Bull Bull mm-hmm. being a top pick. I think that yes, his talent was there, but clearly there was worries about his body. He's 208 pounds, seven three. You see that his father was unable to put up any uh, muscle or fat on himself to build up to a normal size for a 7'3 player or just person. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was going to repeat itself as well. And I think the team saw that in in the medicals. I think it obviously showed that his foot either didn't heal correctly or that his bones are just so fragile that it's going to be a lot for him to exert a lot of energy to be a player that's effective uh, in for, for be effective in the NBA, and with all that said, I'm still absolutely shocked he fell to 44. This mm-hmm. is a first round player without a doubt, and the fact that no team, Boston with multiple shots, um, didn't take him at all. Absolutely shocked that no team didn't take a shot on him. And it's like even just looking at Ball Ball now, like I typed his name into Google, and there were articles like a day or two before today. Where it was like, no way Ball Ball falls past the Celtics in the first round. And it's like, this is a guy that everybody had. I had him as high as 10 at one point or 9 or 10. I think I still had him near that high. There were Most people had him in the lottery. The lowest I saw was 2021 when we were entering um, the draft, like up until the moments of when it started. And when Miami drafted him, I'm like, holy shit. That's the team that many thought could have taken him at 13. Oh, my God, they get him in the second round. But then he gets traded to Denver. And I'm thinking, oh, shit, Sean. This is the team that basically is turning into, hey, we're a good team. We don't care if he got an injury. Michael Porter Jr., many thought was going to be the number one pick last year, fell because of an injury. Doesn't matter. We'll take him. We'll trade for him. Now, Mm -hmm. Bull Bull. First round, we'll get him in the second. Doesn't matter if he doesn't play this year. If he does the Michael Porter Jr. treatment, we'll take a roll of the dice I, on him. I think he's going to play. 
Um, he was healthy. I did say that about Michael Porter Jr. Mm-hmm. as well, but then he needed an extra surgery on his back, so that was different. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if Bobo is going to need another surgery on that foot. I think it's healed up. He's been walking out of fine. He didn't show a limp. Obviously, that's going to be different once you're exerting a ton of energy on that, but at some point, you're going to need to test it out. I wouldn't be shocked if he played for them. Um, and I think the biggest thing for him is he's, he's going to have a very limited role, which I think is something that is necessary for him to at least make sure he's going to be out there on the floor because they do have a pretty deep roster already. Mm-hmm. You have Jokic, obviously you have Millsap. Those guys will be on the team next year. Millsap's going to be a question uh, once his contract comes up, but he has been effective when healthy on that team. They also have Willie Hernan Gomez on the uh, or, or Juan uh, Go- Hernan Gomez, uh, Willie's brother, um, who's pretty effective off the bench for them. And they also have uh, Plumley, who's mm-hmm. pretty damn good coming off the bench. He's he's a good he's a good second guy behind Jokic. And so Plumley, if Ball Ball can develop in that first year, question is after next season, do they re-sign Plumley or do they just say? Well, hey, we'll I, let you but walk. I think the reason that I think what you're looking at is. You're just seeing you're 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 mm-hmm. seeing if they're going to venture forward with Bobo. Yeah, and I think that's the biggest thing. It's not with what Plumley's doing because there's no guarantee that he's going to stay healthy. Mm-hmm. Even if he stays healthy for year one, if you increase his minutes, there's a, a possibility, a large possibility, from what it seems from what we're hearing from NBA teams, that he's going to get injured again. Mm-hmm. So you're just trying to quell those minutes so much. So he's not going to get injured. He's not going to be put into a risk or at least limit the risk uh, of him getting injured. So I wouldn't be shocked if they kept Plumlee. He's going to be 30 soon, so that would be the only reason why I think they might go away from him. They do have uh, Hernan Gomez, who is going to be like 24, which is a a good pick. Uh, He's going to be a good player for them. Um, But at least right away. There, you don't have to rush things with him, and mm-hmm. that, that's the biggest thing for me. Is is they they can really take their time on Bobo. They might end up getting rid of Millsap. I haven't heard anything. He does have a team option this year for thirty point five million. If they think they can go after an Al Horford, then maybe they do so. Um, but Al Horford also, you know, aging uh, center, so I, I'm not sure if they're going to do that. But I think that this is a very smart move from the Nuggets because it's a very high risk, high or it's a very low risk, mm-hmm. high reward situation. Um, where I think it's probably going to end up in the middle, where I think he can play in the NBA, and I think that he's going to be effective, but I think what's going to end up hurting his career is just the longevity of it. And mm-hmm. I think in the end, the question should be raised, Ricky, should he have gone back to college? No. And the the reason why, like, I say no knowing where he landed, and I'm going to get why I love the fit here with mm-hmm. Denver in a second, but at the same time... <sighs> I say no because of what you said. If it's true about his body that it won't hold up, if you go back to college, now you're risking, hey, if I get injured again, I may go undrafted. And then my money is less. So, like, you're guaranteeing, yes, he didn't go in the first round, he didn't get that first round money, but he's still getting money to play in the NBA. Um, And that's the thing, if he went to college, had another injury, then it's, oh, well, are you going to get drafted? Yeah. Are you even going to get signed it, it then at that point? could have been a Jonte Porter situation mm-hmm. where Jonte Porter is currently an undrafted free agent. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think that you look at the skill that he has, and if he was able to stay healthy at Oregon, and obviously there's going to be red flags with his medical no matter what, but if he does go out and stay healthy for, let's say, 30 games at mm-hmm. Oregon, and he's able to replicate what he was able to do, I would find it hard-pressed that he's not a first-rounder next year because what he showed in those nine games was something special. Well, and, the thing, and what he shows 
just on the floor Mm -hmm. is something that I think can transfer to the next level. So that's why I'm just so shocked that Mm -hmm. he fell all the way to 44. I understand the medicals are there, but in such a weak draft class Mm -hmm. where Cam Johnson's going 11, 11. where Jordan Poole's going 28, Mm -hmm. where Grant Williams going 22, this kid can be a star if he's able to find some health and he's able to find some weight. I just don't get it. Well, the thing I love about this fit, too, is basically Ball Ball, to me, can do similar things stat-wise, like, to what Jokic is doing. Because, like, I know it's college in the NBA, which is different, but, like, Jokic this upcoming year with the type of offense that they run, he hits over 50% of his shots, he hits 30% from three, Taking about what, the, the, 3.4 threes a game. I know it's different. That was that was a down year for Jokic, anyways. He's usually no, a, he's a, he's a much higher three point shooter. I, yeah, I, I'm I, saying like, but he's still at a good year, and his rebound, like the rebounds and the defense. Yes, with Bobol and Jokic, it's flip. Jokic gets more steals. Bobol's more of a blocker, but like you look at Bobol, he hit 50 percent of his shots in college. He was shooting 52% from three, and I only know, I know he took less threes per game than Jokic was averaging in the NBA. Um, Bol Bol took about 2.8 a game, 9.6 rebounds, almost three block shots a game. And it's like, I don't expect Bol Bol to come in an average 21, but I think no. but I think that the what you expect Jokic to do in this system could also no. fit Bol Bol, no. and he can have success in this system. I'm not saying he's going to put have up Have you the, watched Denver I'm play not, basketball? I'm not going to say he's putting up the same numbers as Jokic. I'm saying this system that they run in Denver can is benefit. based off of Jokic's big body giving this mm-hmm. quick guard screens pretty much at the top of the key and relying on Jokic's passing to open up lanes. And what that, I'm saying is that's I, not think Bol it, I think it, it can benefit Bol Bol. I think he can How? have a similar a similar situation in Denver. How? Is, is he doing the exact same thing as Jokic? That's no. fitting the system. No, but it's to me, they're going to, when he's out there, he's going to be able to do certain things. And the only thing that is a weak spot to Bobo in the system is his passing because he only averaged one assist per game. Whereas Jokic had more than not, one assist per game. Yeah, it's over seven. He's the best yeah. big man, big man passer mm-hmm. probably in the history of basketball. Um, some people might say Sabonis. Some people might say uh, you know uh, bring up other players. Um, but Jokic is definitely top five of passing bigs in, of all time. There's no way that they have play similar roles at all in that Denver offense. If the, if Bobo is able to play for this Denver Nugget team, what he's going to do is just be off ball, and he's going to sit in the corner, and they're going to throw up. Passes to him and he's going to shoot threes. That's going to be his game, and he's going to be able to drive and attack if guys are closing out, mm-hmm. and possibly you know hit mid range jumpers and attack the bucket that way. But he is not going to play similarly to Nikola Jokic at all in the in this offense, Ricky. I think there's that, no way, and no, there's no, no way that that's, that's a possibility miss, for this. Denver. So that's the miss of it. It's, it's I'm not saying him and Jokic are going to be exactly the same, but I feel like with this team. He can fit into what they do and have success. He can with fit this into team. it, but not like Jokic, and yeah. that's what you were trying to say. And I want to, I want to shut that well, down. And he was, he's not going to fit I, in like Jokic I misspoke does. because they're not, they're obviously different players. They're not the exact same. The, yeah, completely different. They're not going to. Uh, Jokic's body is what makes it helps him fit so well in that offense. He's able to set screens, and those 
quick mm-hmm. speedy guards like Gary Harris, Jamal Har- uh, uh, Jamal Murray, uh, Will Barton, uh, Malik Beasley, all these guys are able to just run around him and cut mm-hmm. to the bucket. And also, when he's not at the top of the key passing that ball, he's getting fed inside and he's backing people down. So it, it's, are it's you a rolling him at the five or at the four? Like uh, four, I know he's a seven four. Without four. A okay. Yeah, four without a doubt. I, I, if if Jokic is out there, one hundred percent, he's playing at the four. What if Jokic isn't out there? Is what the second um, unit is he a five or a four? I think they can get interesting with their lineups, and I would love to see a Michael Porter Jr. and Bull Bull lineup out there. Mm-hmm. I think they'd get killed defensively down low, um, but he's not going to be. He's going to be there if Millsap's on the team depending on if they take up the option, mm-hmm. he's going to be the f- fifth player off that bench. Hernan okay. Gomez is going to get more minutes. Plumlee's going to get more minutes. Obviously, Millsap, if he's there, is going to start. Jokic is going to start as well. Um, I'd be very shocked if he got more than 15 minutes a game um, and played over 60. I think that they're going to save him as much and probably hide him as much too just because obviously you want to have him get reps, but once he gets those reps, you want probably want to pull him just because he is so unique and being able to throw that out there in a playoff series, mm-hmm. I think could definitely be intriguing if he's able to add to your team defensively. And especially if you're needing to add extra space out there, he's going to be some player that can you know, a player that can do that uniquely. I am just concerned about his health, but again, I think he's gonna play and I, I'm I'm excited to see him play. And I just wonder about his mentality mm-hmm. and why he fell so far because I I think it's got to be more than just medicals. So will he put in that effort to add size, add weight? And mm-hmm. then again, obviously, will his body be able to take to those weight training programs and to those programs to build up those fat and muscles? And that's the, that's the biggest thing for me. I, I think his, his fit in the system is just going to be, again, more perimeter-based like a lot of the players are. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to probably work him more in – as they do with their guards, obviously not taking the balls from handoffs and screens mm-hmm. uh, from from Jokic, but I think they're going to set him up more as a, a guy that sits out in the corner or sits on the wing and fires up. Threes. See, I'm not worried about his mentality because, like, after like watching him with the interview that he had after saying like that he's going to prove people wrong, I said it on the live stream and I'll say it again. I feel like this is going to be like Bulbul's mentality is going to be. Like what what we saw with Draymond Green, where it's like, hey, I knew my talent. I'm supposed to be a first rounder. I'm going to make, I don't know if he goes to the extent of Draymond, where Draymond remembers every single team in order that passed on him. I don't know if Ball Ball goes every single 43 teams that went, uh, went before him. That'd be interesting, though, with trades to see if he can get it correctly all the way down with how many we had this year. But I just I feel like the biggest question for me is like you said, it's not the will he add muscle, it's will his body keep the muscle? Mm-hmm. Will his bot will he be able to bulk up and keep that muscle, or will it be, hey, he bulked up and he lost it. And he bulked up and he lost it. Where that would be a problem. But the good thing with ball ball, and I think this is the most important thing. And I say this, and I hope that Denver doesn't do the opposite. So in the nine games he played in college, he was averaging almost 30 minutes a night. He doesn't need to average that in Denver. No, he If won't. he can give them a smaller amount and have it be an efficient amount, even if it's like, I kind of want to say half of it, maybe like 15 to 17 maybe, if he can give you that, 
but it be efficient 15 minutes a night, then he's going to be a really good ad for this team. Yeah, I think that's going to be the basis of it. He's going to, he's not going to play more than 60 games. Mm-hmm. He's probably going to get 15 minutes a night. Especially um, with all the unless it's, management we see. Yeah, I, and I, I think people might say, well, if his talent shows he's going to get more minutes, I think that they're just going to try to protect him as much as possible. Um, looking at this team, too, mm-hmm. their build-out for next year, for sure, you're going to have Malik Beasley, you're going to have Monte Morris, uh, you're going to have Torrey Craig in this team, Juan Hernan Gomez, Michael Porter Jr., Jamal Murray, Will Barton. Uh, I know they probably will, might look to trade Will Barton and get mm-hmm. him off that uh, that team after what he did in the playoffs. He was complete trash, um, and they got him for three more years, including the 2019-2020 year. Especially picking fights in the playoffs. Yeah, uh, they got Mason Plumley, Gary Harris, Nicole Jokic, Paul Millsap. That lineup's probably going to look like Murray, Harris, Beasley. Because, I mean, he played well last year for him. Yeah. Uh, and if Will the Thrill's not there? I think they probably like Beasley more coming off the mm-hmm. bench and probably will give Barton more of a shot to bounce back from the playoffs just because he was a starter for them. What if Barton's not before there? Before he got injured? What if they trade him? Well, obviously, but I, I I don't know if they're going to trade him. I haven't heard mm-hmm. too many rumors. I just think that he might put himself in a position to get traded just mm-hmm. because of the way he performed. Yeah. But then again, will someone want to take him? Um, I would probably say, though, it's going to go Murray, Harris, Barton, Millsap, Jokic, if Millsap's there. Mm-hmm. Then coming off the bench, Beasley and Monte Morris um, – being your first two guards off the bench because those both guys were fantastic last year mm-hmm. um, in those roles. Then probably Porter Jr. if he's healthy, you got to see what you can get out of him. And him playing three would be interesting. Hernan Gomez and then Plumley, and then you're rolling in Bobo as your eleventh man. Which saying that, mm-hmm. I mean that's a pretty damn stacked lineup. And you're also going to add some in free agency. You're losing Isaiah Thomas, Tyler Lydon most likely, um, and and, and pro- possibly Trey Lyles. Um, he didn't add too much to the team, so you can always add some players that interest you as well. How many efficient minutes? Would you look for from Ball Ball his rookie year if he's and the medicals we don't have him in front of us, but if he's healthy this year and can play for the Nuggets, how many efficient minutes would you be okay with from Ball Ball a night or a game? I should say, depending on how many he plays. What was that? If he's playing healthy and you're the coach of the Nuggets, yeah. Like I said, let's say it's like, oh, well, if he gave 15 efficient yeah, minutes, 15. is that the yeah, like goal min- that you want, or are you happy with a- like 13? No, 15 minutes a game, okay. um, and then with uh, 60 games. So if he okay. does that, playing a total of uh, like 900 minutes. I think if he does that, I think that's exactly what you want out of him. I don't think you need an exact mark to be like, oh, this trade was successful. Mm-hmm. If he's healthy and he's able to show some skills that he had in, in college, I think you're fine because you're going to have to. Because I mean, let it's him, a let second round for, pick. Yeah, like you're not risking much on it. You're going to let him. You're going to let him ride too. Um, any final thoughts on the ball ball? I am really pull. I am really pulling for ball ball. Where I hope that it's. I hope it's like a Draymond Green situation where he proves everybody wrong and is like, we look back on this and go, how were they that stupid to not take him in the first round? Mm-hmm. I, I don't, I mean, if he gets injured, I think people are going to be like, well, that's the reason why I didn't go in the first mm-hmm. round. So it, it's. Which I'm hoping doesn't happen. Pretty much just to boil it down. And like he said, go watch his YouTube tape mm-hmm. and you could see that the kid had first round talent. Yeah. So it's just going to be t- dependent on. 
if he has the body that holds up to, to, to make him a pro. But let us know your thoughts on Bobo. Were you shocked that he went into the second round? How can he add to this Denver Nugget team? Uh, I think he's going to be a, a, definitely an intriguing intri- uh, add to this team. And if he's able to stay healthy, could be very dangerous. But let us know what your thoughts are down in the comments below. But let's move into the next topic, and that's where we're going to break down Hawks versus Pelicans. They made a trade mm-hmm. uh, before the draft night started that sent the fourth pick, Solomon Hill, and the 57th pick to Atlanta, and New Orleans got the 8th pick, the 17th pick, and the 35th pick in ten, or last night's draft. Atlanta then went and took DeAndre Hunter at 4, and also secured Cam Reddish at 10. That was the pick they got in the Luka Doncic Trey Young trade last year. So the Hawks come away with two picks in this one, DeAndre Hunter and Cam Reddish. And the Pelicans, obviously with the number one overall pick that they got uh, from the lottery, took Zion Williamson. Then with the eighth pick that they got from the Hawks, took Jackson Hayes. Then with the 17th pick they got from the Hawks, took Nikki Alexander-Walker. And then with the 35th pick, took Marcos Luza, Luazada, Luazada, Luazada Silva from Brazil, a draft and stash player. So, Ricky, looking at those builds right there, Silva, mm-hmm. Alexander Walker, Hayes, Williamson versus Hunter and Reddish, who came out with better draft. Very quickly, before I give my answer and why it's the Hawks here, I want to say this. The Anthony Davis trade has turned into this. So the Pelicans for Anthony Davis— Got Lonzo, B.I., John Hart. Um, Josh Hart. Josh Hart. They got then at um, eight. I'm trying to think. I'm remembering off of everything. They took, remind me who they took at eight. That's what I'm blanking on because Jackson Hayes. Um, then they took 17, Nikhil Alexander Walker, Brazil draft and stash at 35. Then on top of it, Laker 20, uh, first pick, top eight, 22 pick if not, swap in 23. First, either 24 or 25. Oh, and they got rid of Solomon Hill's contract. So I kind of, like, part of you wants to say, oh, the Pelicans had a really good draft. But the thing why I'm saying the Hawks, and this is razor thin. Like, I think both of them had great drafts. They Mm -hmm. had, like, amazing draft nights. Both fan bases should be happy. The thing I like about the Hawks is they took their draft capital, and they were not okay with just staying pat. And going at 8 and 10. They were able to make a trade with the Pelicans, get the guy that they want in DeAndre Hunter at 4, which shocked me because I thought they would be trading up for Jarrett Culver at a 3 and D guy that they can play at the 3 with Kevin Herter at the 2 and Trey Young at the 1. And then they add another 3 to run their second unit, in my mind, in Cam Reddish. And it could end up being where these two players help out the Hawks more immediately compared to what the Pelicans got. Because, yes, they got Zion, and part everyone's going to say, oh, they got Zion, end of discussion. But Hayes is still a development. We don't know what I – although I think Nikhil Alexander-Walker is going to have a good NBA career, I don't know what to expect from him year one with Drew Holiday on this team, with Lonzo Ball on this team with um, Josh Hart on this team. They got a lot of guards to kind of work into this and kind of mesh and a lot of new faces getting to know each other on the court to where I feel like the growing pains are going to be a little bit more with the Pelicans, which could be expected. 
Whereas the Hawks, I feel like they're going to fit in and kind of have more immediate success with the guys that they drafted. I think it's clear and far, at least just based on what they did tonight, it's mm-hmm. the Pelicans. Because even if you take out Zion, I think they win that trade getting 8, 17, and 35. I think that that's a fantastic pickup for them. And you also clear up a lot of cap space getting rid of Solomon Hill's contract, mm-hmm. so that's an immediate win for them. And if they didn't take on that Solomon Hill contract, they probably most likely could have gotten 8 and 10. And the Hawks also got, uh, ESPN is weird and they don't put it down, but Bruno Fernando um, in the second round is a that's, Hawk, that's although right. it's listed as a Sixer. You're correct. So they did get Bruno Fernando as well from Maryland, so th- thanks for correcting that one. Um, but even then, with that, I'm still going New Orleans. You got the best player in the draft. Thank you, Lottery and Zion Williamson. But at eight, you go with Jackson Hayes, and while that doesn't really address their ability to stretch the floor, I still think that he is one of the, I think he was the second best center prospect mm-hmm. available. I think he was probably a safer bet than Bull Bull. And while I like Goga more, and I think Goga could have, has the ability to stretch the floor from three, uh, from from the five uh, to the three, uh, I think that at least Hayes brings that ability to grow and you have a ton of athleticism in that front court with Zion and Jackson Hayes and what puts it over the top is that pick at 17. Mm-hmm. You take Nicky Alexander-Walker who I think is a fantastic combo guard, a guy that can stretch the floor from three, has a great long wingspan, can defend. I think that he's an all-around solid player and as Dave was calling him, he's Drew Jr. And Drew Jr. went, and Drew Sr. <laughs> uh, went 17 in mm-hmm. his draft selection and obviously he was dealing with injuries and he didn't hit his full potential until later on in his career but he did it and now he's an all-star and I think that Nikki Alexander-Walker has that potential in him so while you didn't get a perfect draft when it comes to fit you got a lot of talent and a lot of it's young especially with Zion and Jackson and then Marcos uh, Silva too Um, I wasn't huge on him he wasn't any guy uh, he wasn't a guy that was in my uh my my uh two-round mock draft yeah I neither Um, all three of us didn't have him but what they did go out and do, too, was sign Zylan Cheatham, the Arizona State Center. Mm-hmm. So they got him on a two-way contract, and he's a guy that can stretch the floor. He's a guy that can also yeah. dish the ball out from the center position. Uh, he's 6'8", so he might be more of a four, but he's a guy that I really love, too. All around, I think the Pelicans are coming out golden in this draft. I, I think it was absolutely fantastic for them what they did. And that trade that you laid out earlier on, what they got from the Lakers and the mm-hmm. Hawks, they got cap relief. They got players that can help them immediately in Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, and Josh Hart. And they got superstars in at least, you know, Zion Williamson. And they got two guys that can be good starters for a long time on their team in Jackson Hayes and Nicky Alexander-Walker, where you have two shots Mm -hmm. at the Hawks with DeAndre Hunter, a very solid player, but we always question about his top end. And you got Cam Reddish, a huge question mark. A lot of potential with him, but will he be able to hit it? I like the immediate impact that you're going to get in mm-hmm. New Orleans. Well, and the thing is, first off, with the New Orleans thing, I like the tweet I saw where it's basically, man, I love how there's 19-year-olds that uh, don't know yet that they're going to be a part of the Anthony Davis trade um, from the Pelicans to the Lakers. But I feel like this answer and the reason why I kind of brought it up to you to talk about it because of the trade that they made, you're going to answer this question based on what you like. If you're saying the Pelicans, you're saying it's the better draft because of the future. The future looks bright in New Orleans. If you say Atlanta, you're looking at what they are right now and what their immediate success could be. And like also conference kind of plays into this a little bit, I feel, um, where the Hawks to me, although they weren't a playoff team, had a successful year this year, especially 
with Trey Young in his rookie year. Like, the Hawks were proven to where it's like, we made the right choice not drafting Luka and taking Trey Young. He fits with what we want to do. Well, now they add in DeAndre Hunter, who's going to help, and I feel like he's going to be a player that instantly helps this team day one. And I feel like this is possibly the best situation for Cam Reddish, where it's like, hey, you know what? We're just going to let you run the second. Like, I feel like Cam... We'll let you run the second unit. You be the guy on the second unit. And that could help Cam Reddish. It's going to also answer those questions that we had about Cam. Was the production on him? Was it because playing with RJ and Zion was just hard for Cam and he didn't really fit after a while with those two guys? To where you look at the East, you need that kind of immediate. To where it's like, hey, you know what? We can maybe take a stab increase our win even if they increase their wins by 10 from last year if they had 10 more wins this year they would have missed the playoffs by two games so already they could be an eight seed next year if hunter and reddish and bruno um play well whereas new orleans hey we got a lot of teams here in the west that'll be competing the lakers are looking to compete now the rockets compete now the warriors compete now we're gonna just draft these assets with these draft picks we're going to take a guy like jackson hayes because if it takes him a year or two to develop we've got that time the west is more of a breather where it's like hey we're not looking to compete for an eight spot anytime soon where the hawks can say hey let's go ahead and get it and let's compete for an eight spot this year with the rookies we're bringing in. And I'm looking at the Discord. Did uh, Minnesota sign your boy Naz? Yeah, Minnesota okay. signed. Made the greatest <laughs> decision of their life. They got Naz Reed. Cat, oh. Naz Reed, you have Rocco, you have Culver, <laughs> you have my boy Josh Akogi. I am hyped right now about this fucking team. Oh, uh, hell yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think overall, at least with the the, the the Pelicans, the biggest takeaway that you have to take away is the biggest takeaway they have to take away, Jesus Christ, is that they addressed all their needs. Mm-hmm. They needed a center, they got him. They needed a point power forward, they got him in Zion Williamson. They needed a shooting guard, they got him in Nikki Alexander Walker. They hit every single mark. That's yeah. what you needed to fill out your team. Mm-hmm. And not only did you do that efficiently with getting that, you got three young players to do so. And all of them might not have star potential. One of them clearly does in Zion mm-hmm. Williamson, but they all have starter to all-star level potential. And I think that if Jackson Hayes is able to show a little bit more aggressiveness defensively, especially on the board side, I think that he could be a really great player. And if he's able to add some more muscle, hit the gym with Zion, I think that he could really bulk up and, and, and be an intriguing addition. And along with that, you're going to hide some of those deficiencies with Zion's ability to rebound. Mm-hmm. And with Nikki Alexander-Walker, you're learning from two great guards, at least defensively, in Lonzo and Drew Holiday, and you're looking you're looking at a guard in Drew Holiday that's so similar to yourself. It's like looking in a mirror. It's going to be easy to take lessons from him if you're a smart player. And from what we've seen from his cousin and from Nikki Alexander-Walker, mm-hmm. Nikki Alexander-Walker seems extremely smart. So I think this is a fantastic draft for the Pelicans. And you talked about you know the long term versus what they are now, but I, I, I still think that the Pelicans, they came into or before the lottery as a team that looked desolate, and now they're coming out as one of the top teams when you're looking at a rebuild. And yes, the Hawks have added a lot of talent, and you're looking at that team, and they look pretty dangerous. Having Trey Young, Kevin Herter, uh, DeAndre Hunter, John Collins as well, and then you add on the question mark of Cam Reddish, they're definitely an intriguing team, but 
if you're looking at shots, you have so many shots mm-hmm. with high-level potential guys in New Orleans with Zion, B.I., Lonzo, and now you're just adding multiple guys onto that that can be bench players at least in Nikki Alexander-Walker, in Nikki, uh, in Jackson Hayes, in Josh Hart, and even then they just announced that they're going to bring back um, uh, J- Jaleel Okafor, and Okafor had a resurgence there. So having a coach like Alvin Gentry, I think this team put them in a beautiful spot, and you just got to applaud the hire of David Griffin. You got to applaud Gail Benson. She did a phenomenal job in, in turning this team around, firing Del Dempson, taking this team from Anthony Davis's team to a team that has a ton of potential that might be in a better place mm-hmm. than where they were when they had Anthony Davis because a lot of cap was going to go towards him. And now you only have cap tied up in Zion Williamson. Mm-hmm. And we don't know the ceiling of Alonzo Ball. We don't know the ceiling of Brandon Ingram. So they might not demand a huge contract, but they still might be very important players. And obviously you're just going to need to focus on keeping Zion Williamson. And how you do that is put a lot of talent around him and a lot of potential and these guys are going to hit the same peak at the same time, and I, I absolutely love what New Orleans did coming out of the 2019 NBA draft. So I think you got to give props to the NLLA and uh, the Big Easy. Well, the thing, too, is the timeline for the Pelicans were, I believe, Zion, Nikhil, and Jackson are all going to be locked up until 2024, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Who's that? Um, because the rookie contract's five years. Um, so 1920, 21, 22, 23, 2024, you'll probably have all three of those first rounders that long. I don't think mm-hmm. they're going to, unless like a massive injury happens, they're not going to not take a team option from them. The only question for me, there's two. The first is what do you do with the Laker guys? Obviously we got to see how they perform this year, but you've got Lonzo and Josh Hart, which are on their last team options next year with 2020. 11 mil for Lonzo in that year, 3.4 for Josh Hart. Brandon Ingram, he hits his first RFA um, after this upcoming season. So they'll have a qualifying offer that they can offer him, but he's an RFA in 2020, and anything is possible in the free agency market. My question for you is one that I asked on the stream. Mm Mm-hmm. And it comes with Drew Holiday, with him being, A, the oldest, and B, the most money that they're giving up right now after 2019. So starting with next offseason, because 2020 could be his last year. If he doesn't take his player option in 2021, then it's like, oh, shoot, we got to re-sign Drew Holiday, or he can go somewhere else. After 2019, do you think the Pelicans maybe look to shop Drew Holiday because of how young their team is right now, and those contracts coming up a little shorter yeah. for those Laker I th- guys. I think the biggest thing that's going to come up, come down to that is, does he want to stay on the team? Mm-hmm. And if he, you're going to be able to resign him after that contract comes up, uh, I think you keep him on the team. If he's if he announces and lets it's you know, not like you got anything else to you put a, your money in yeah, right Yeah, if he does you a favor and says, hey, I, I'm going to leave, I want to mm-hmm. ch- pursue a championship, I think that you, you obviously move him. But if he doesn't, I think you need a leader on this team. I think Drew Howard's game is going to age pretty gracefully. Giving him a max is going to be questionable because mm-hmm. you have to pay Zion and all that. But it's depending on what he wants exactly from a contract and what he'll demand from a contract because he'll be a little bit older when that contract does come up. And he's dealt he'll be with injuries. 31 if he doesn't take yeah. the option, 32 if he does. And he's been dealing with a lot of injuries before. So I would be questionable on what he would want. But I think 
seeing him to the end and seeing if you can re-sign him would be smart because I think his game mm-hmm. is going to age gracefully, like I said, and I think that him as a leader on that team is going to be huge. So I, I would really look to keep Drew Holiday on that team long-term, if it's possible. I just, for me, I don't think it's going to be possible. And the reason why is because of two things. One, that Laker talent. How many of those three are they going to re-sign? Um, of course, they got the boatload of picks that are coming after this from the Lakers, but depending on how good they are, how high are those draft picks? Lonzo, I think they re-sign. BEI, I think they resign, but also I don't think Lonzo gets a max, so that's good. I don't think Brandon Ingram gets a max from what he's playing. He hasn't played like a max level player. I know that we all thought he might get a max just because of his potential. And that's what I'm thinking, is because of the potential he might get it. But the thing you have to think about with Drew Holiday, let's say he declines the option and wants to sign, what are you gonna give him years? Because this one that he just signed with the Pelicans that's coming to an end was a four plus one. Well, you got to think, all right, in 2024, potentially, I need to. Like, I am saving a max spot for that because Zion is just, here you go, Zion. Here's your max dollars. Mm -hmm. Like, here's your next contract. No questions asked. And I know that's a little bit presumptive for a... Guy who just got drafted, but I feel like that's going to be Zion. Is Here's your next contract, and see if you like it. We want to keep you here for the max. Are you going to be able to do that with Drew if you're signing him to another 4-plus well, yes, because one? because you're going to be able to go over because you have his bird mm-hmm. rights. So you're going to be able to do that just because of of the rules that allow you to do do so. Yeah. It's just going to be will you go into the luxury tax and 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 can you afford that? Mm-hmm. Um that's going to be the biggest thing for 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 them is just coming down to um being able to balance all those contracts together, but you'll be able to af- afford that just mm-hmm. because of the bird rights. Um I think too, you know, I, I don't think Drew's going to demand that much when he's that older. I think a long thing about him is just going to be making sure you have that length and having mm-hmm. that uh, at least time, because if you're 32, you're going to probably want a contract that lasts you until you're 36. Um, so that might be something that he might be able to, you know, go around with is maybe I'll take a you know, longer contract for less money yeah. uh, just to make sure that I can secure a spot on this team for a long time and secure a contract. So that might play into it. But in the end, your biggest your biggest idea is just to go after Zion. Mm-hmm. And a big thing, too, is you're going to trade some of those first rounders at some point to add t- talent to this team. And if you don't, you might be able to attach one of those to a Drew Holiday when it does come time to contract. So that's one thing that is a benefit from this, is that you're going to be able to take some of those first-rounders, and if Drew Holiday is a bad contract at any point, if you do re-sign him, you can possibly move him just due to the the the, the wealth that you gained in that Laker trade for Anthony Davis. I, I think they came out absolutely golden in this. And, I, and I don't think it's I don't think the Hawks had a bad draft at all. I just think that they you look at what they did, specifically the Pelicans. And they set them up. They set themselves up. Mm-hmm. And the thing that also blows my mind, and it's weird because Kobe Altman, I don't think, had a bad draft. We're going to get to the Cavs, I believe, um, later. But it's weird. Kobe Altman didn't have a bad draft, but like I look at this and I look what David Griffin was able to pull off with this in such a short time, and I just go, why did the Cavs walk away from like? Why did Dan Gilbert, like, I get the relationship was probably bad. Um, 
this happened June of 2017, but it's just it, it makes you think like, how did he ever lose his job with what he's been able to do? Because he is a good GM, and at least he knows the um, rules of the cap salary, um, unlike other GMs. The other question I was going to ask you is about the Hawks, because I mentioned that, hey, with Hunter and Reddish and Bruno, they could be a team that maybe adds 10 wins, competes for the playoffs in the week east. In your mind, is this a team that competes for a play competes for the eighth seed in the east? Or is this a year where, well, the Hawks probably won't be picking eight next year. They'll probably pick 13-14, like where the um, Hornets yeah. are heat work. I think a big part of their success is going to be based around free agency. Mm-hmm. Are they going to be able to keep Dwayne Dedman? Are they going to be able to add a player off the bench that could help out Trey Young mm-hmm. when it comes to ball handling duties? Because that was a big thing of talking them into Jared Culver was his ability to take away possessions from Trey Young and at least give him a break from bringing the ball up every single time. So I think finding a backup point guard is going to be big for them. Finding a combo guard to help Trey Young if Kyle, you know, if uh, not Kyle Herter, um, Kevin Herter mm-hmm. is not on the floor. Um, if they're able to slot a guy in that two position that can also you know take the take the ball away from Trey Young and maybe even put him off screens and stuff like that, um, will they be able to find those players that can mm-hmm. help them become that playoff team? Because their starting lineup it is very good and it is very young. Um, you love Trey Young, what he did last year, most likely has a shot to be an All Star this year. Um, Kyrie, Kyrie's going to stay in the East. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was, I was thinking that would be yeah, free up the spot. Either way, New York or Brooklyn. But yeah, I, mean, I, was, I was thinking it might free up yeah. the spot, but he's staying in the East. Um, you know, Lowry, if if the Raptors aren't good, if, if Ka- Kawhi leaves, uh, I think Lowry was a, an All-Star last year, so that might free up a spot. Um, I'm just thinking of ways that he can make an All-Star team, but I think it's definitely possible for him to do that. Um, if he you know has the same season that he had, especially the end, uh, to last year, if he's able to recreate that, um, so you have an all star there. John Collins is a is a growing four, and I think he defensively he's going to be a very good set, uh, player for you. But he still needs to take a step defensively. Um, pretty much the starting lineup is young, but I don't think they're good enough to be a, a to be a playoff team yet. And I don't know if their exact goals are to make the playoffs at this point because you still have the ability to add more to this team, mm-hmm. and you still have time as well. Hunter isn't a Hunter isn't an old player. He did play two years, but he isn't exactly old. Trey Young is very young too. Cam Reddish is young. Herder's young. So I think they have time to kind of let this sit. And if they are close, they might make a move like the Mavericks um, to help out this team, uh, like the, the, you know possibly the KP move. But they also might you know look back and be like, all right, let's get rid of some of this waste and let's mm-hmm. kind of tank just a little bit. But I think overall this team they'll be competitive. I think they'll probably end up in that 15 to 10 spot, though, um, where they're not a bad team at all. They're they're close to the playoffs, but they might just miss out or, or might just make it. I think they're they're probably similar to the Magic. Um, well, not the Magic last year because the Magic were mm-hmm. an older team. What team could they be? Could they be compared to? Kind of like the Bulls in two years ago when they just randomly made the playoffs. I know they weren't exactly a young team. Are you talking about? But that was with the post Jimmy trade. The- D Wade, no, it was D Wade. You know, it was the D Wade, the Jimmy, the yeah, Rondo yeah, team yeah, yeah. that made that the team wasn't seed. supposed to make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I think that might be them. Where it's just like, oh wow, this team, this the East is so bad. We except made it. with veterans, they do it with the exactly. talent that they drafted. This is this team. This the East is so bad. We made mm-hmm. it. I think that would be the way they make it. And uh, not be, not saying that they're not talented. I just don't know if that's exactly 
going to be their goal because they might just look to add youth one more time before fully going for it. But I could be completely wrong. I, I think they do have a first-year all-star in Trey Young, though. So uh, I, I think that's probably where the Hawks stand. I don't, I don't know if they're really going to be pushing towards a playoff spot, but I wouldn't be shocked by it. Uh, final thoughts, Pelicans versus Hawks. Um, one of the final things, I'm looking at something really quick here. Um, no, that wasn't when they were eight seed. I was looking when the Warriors, because um, I know they were the eight seed like the first time they made the playoffs um, with Steph, and I can't find it. I thought they were the eight seed. But um, looking at the all-star roster from last year, from the starters, speaking of the East, I don't think anyone, like Giannis is still going to be an all-star. Kyrie is still in the East. Kemba, if he stays with the Hornets. If he goes to L.A., then maybe Kemba's spot. Um, Kawhi, if he stays with the Raptors, is still in the East. Joel Embiid, Reserves, Bradley Beal, Blake Griffin, um, D'Angelo, D'Angelo Russell, if he goes to um, Minnesota. Ben Simmons will stay. Chris Mid, like a Chris Mid, a Kyle Lowry, D. Wade, because he's retiring. Um, and then like a Vucevic and Oladipo who is going to be injured. There will be spots for Trey Young to maybe make that all-star team. It'd be cool if we had a Luca Trey Young, um, both make the all-star in their second year in the league. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I think that, I think that both guys are at least slotted too. Mm -hmm. I mean, Luca should have been an all-star last year. Without a doubt, I mean, yeah. like the kid was fantastic. So I think he should have been an all-star last year. And I think that, you know, he, Trey Young could put himself in that position to become an all-star. But let us know your thoughts down in the comments below. Who would you take? Who had the better draft, Hawks or Pelicans? Pelicans obviously had more mm -hmm. of a top-end draft with Zion yeah. and had a couple more picks more about than the, the Hawks. Uh, but at least with the, the, the Hawks, they were able to add Bruno. They were able to add uh, Reddish, Reddish and, and they were able to add Hunter. So let us know your thoughts down in the comments below. Who won this, Hawks or the Pelicans? But let's move to the next topic, and Ricky... Mm -hmm. Can only be the Bulls here only on the, Bulls, the most valuable podcast channel, Bulls. Chicago Bulls, Chicago-based podcast company <laughs> with a lot of Chicago fans. So we're gonna need the coverage of their picks in this draft. Mm -hmm. That being at seven, them taking guard out of UNC, Michael Jeffrey. Oh wait, no, wrong one. That was eighty-three or eighty-four. <laughs> uh, they took Kobe White, six-five guard uh, out of North Carolina at the seventh pick and then at the 38th pick they took daniel gafford center from arkansas let's focus more on kobe first just because he is the first round pick mm -hmm. a lot of people are going to care about him more and bulls finally get their point guard but you weren't really happy with it on the live stream asking you now you had a couple hours to sit with it was kobe white the right pick for the bulls at seven so here's the deal i'm sitting with is is kobe white a bad player no is he going to help the Bulls be better? Yes. The thing that I sit with the Bulls, and this was the kind of conundrum that I was sitting with even back at the combine when they're like, ooh, the Bulls promised Kobe White. And I remember on the PTP two weeks ago we had mentioned it, and I was like, hey, you know what? Rumor is when the Bulls promise someone, we're going to take them. And you were like, well, yeah, the rumors are probably true. It's now twice in a row. Hey, we promised Hutch. We took Hutch. Hey, we promised Kobe White. We took Kobe White. I just feel with this pick and the reason why I am down on it, and yes, Kobe White can prove me wrong, and I hope he does, but the reason why I'm not excited about this pick is I feel like this was the Bulls doing what you and Dave always yelled at me for 
in mock drafts is like, I would say, yeah, but this team needs a point guard, and you'd be idiot. This guy's the best player. Like last year, well, this team doesn't need Luka. Idiot. Luka. Like that's what it was. Where mm-hmm. That's what I'm almost like. Garpax. Idiot. Cam Reddish. Idiot. This guy. Like yeah. there were other guys I would have picked, and Cam Reddish was the one that I really would have picked because I'm thinking about next year. Next year, I know that Dave brought up a good point of like, oh, well, if we were healthy, we wouldn't have been in the top 10. We might have been a playoff team in the East, and we could be a playoff team in the East. I don't think we will be um, because, A, it's wishful thinking because I want a better draft pick because we're not – even if we get the 8, if Kawhi stays – with not even Kawhi. If the Bucks get the number one seed again, we're mm-hmm. not beating the Bucks in the first round of the playoffs. Good luck with that one. Um, and I just think it would be better to have one more lottery pick. And next year is loaded with point guards. And I know two of those point guards, one being um, Desumu from Illinois, is a combo guard. There's another person that's a combo guard. I think it's the guy out of France um, is a combo guard for next year of what could be there. Mm-hmm. And I looked at it on uh, NBADraft.net of, like, guys that could be there. And in their mock, six of the top ten were point guards. And I just I look at it and I go, we could have taken a guy like Cam Reddish, still gotten a really good player, and then just worry about that point guard last year. Like, I was fine with rolling with Chris Dunn and then signing either a Pat Bev or a D-Lo this year. I didn't think we needed to say, we need a point guard but we went with point guard. Now we got to see what Kobe White can do in Chicago because there's no point of saying, well, what could Cam Reddish do? He's not here. So it's what will Kobe White now do with the Bulls? I said this in the live stream, and I think mm-hmm. you make some fair points, and, and don't get me wrong. But for two years, pretty much, ever since Derrick Rose has left, all I've heard <laughs> in our comment section from you, from Dave, mm-hmm. from callers on Chicago Sports Radio from coworkers, from family members, the Chicago Bulls need a point guard. Mm-hmm. And you got one. And I'm not a huge fan of Kobe White as a player. I'm not down on him. I'm just not a huge fan of him. Uh, I had him at 12 on my big board, so it went up a little bit, you know, five spots. But I think he is a great fit with the Chicago Bulls, and I talked about this on the podcast. He's a guard that excels at driving, and some people might look at his stat sheet and be like, well, he took 6.63s a game at UNC, but a, a large part of his money was made by drawing the defense in with his speed and attacking the bucket. And he didn't go to the line a lot. He didn't get hit a ton, which is good for his body. And I think he's going to need to, you know, work on his free throws just a little bit, just to make sure, because I think he's going to hit a get hit a little bit more driving the bucket in the mm-hmm. NBA. Um, but I think a big part of what he's going to be able to do is draw people in and open it up for Levine, and open it up on the outside for Markin, and open it up on the outside for Porter, and possibly even uh, Wendell Carter Jr. as well, because I mean he's shown at least in college to be able to show a stroke. He didn't think he had enough reps last year to be able to show his abilities from mm-hmm. the outside. Um, but Kobe going to line, you know, about three, four, about four, four times a game last year. I think that was a little bit low for him, especially with his his playing style. And I think a big thing that he was able to do was come up the floor, hit a three, and then that would bring the defense out so he could yeah. drive in. Um, and he was a guy that shot fifty percent from the field from from force force twos. So I mean, he's a guy that's very efficient when going to the bucket, and I, I absolutely love his game at that. So I think that Kobe being able to do that 
drawing that defense in, 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 will just open up everything else for the outside players. And I think that's going to be huge for the Bulls. And that's really what they need is just, you know, being able to draw people in, opening up those shooters, and having that threat of someone that's going to drive in outside of Zach Levine. Because that's a huge part about Zach Levine. And that was something that we saw at least Otto Porter have success with them last year is he mm-hmm. scored 18 points because he was so good at driving in and slashing uh, for the Bulls. He's also a phenomenal three-point shooter. He did everything well for the Bulls last year. Yeah. Um, but a large part of his game was, was driving in and attacking the bucket. And I think that that's what Kobe White's going to do well. Now, I don't think he's an excellent defender and that's going to be a little bit worrying but, but you the have question is is he and yes we have chris dunn but the question defensively yeah is is he going to be good enough to cover for zach levine zach levine's deficiencies on defense that's no, the question i all. have for him no not at all i think he's gonna be similar to no because he's i want to i wanted to say he's going to be similar to Colin Sexton, mm-hmm. when it comes to defense, at least being a guy that needs to put in a lot of energy and a lot of hustle into his defense. But Colin Sexton's much bigger than Kobe White, so I think he's going to have much more, much more, um, what's it called? Much more trouble with playing defense. Yeah. But at least with Sexton, Sexton doesn't have a big wingspan and neither does uh, Kobe White. I just... I don't know. No. To answer your question, no. He's not going to be able to cover for Zach Levine. And that's probably your biggest worry with that. But you have Otto Porter, who's a plus defender. You have Willie Colley. I always want to say Willie Colley Jr. Uh, Wendell Carter Jr. to make up for that deficiency. And you also have Chris Dunn, who's a fantastic point guard, a defensive point guard as well, uh, that that, that can help you out. So will he grow into one? Probably not. But he might be one of those high effort guys that can probably poke the ball loose, especially with the speed jumping lanes more rather than going in and attacking uh, mm-hmm. and at least, you know, poking the ball loose. So, no, I do not think that he's going to be able to to, to, to to cover for Zach Levine deficiently or defensively. But maybe you look for Pat Bev in, in free agency to add him on. And obviously we know what he can do defensively to uh, to shut down players. So do you think the Bulls still try to add a D Rose or a Pat Bev? I think they look with, to add Pat Bev, yes. And add three point guards on it. Because, I mean, technically White's a combo guard. Um, I don't know on spot rack or anything with people or even in the Bulls like program, are they going to list him as a point guard or list him as a um, shooting guard? I guess it doesn't matter because he can play um, mm-hmm. both. We mentioned that on the live stream. I just think the things and like I'm looking also at Pippen ain't easy, kind of like what they're saying. And the th- two things that they mention are one, uh, fit wise, Kobe White is perfect for the Bulls. His 6'5 frame gives him high defensive upside, um, which is critical in a backcourt next to a guy like Zach Levine, who struggles mightily at defense. And then they also talk about how he can shoot at lights out. Um, and the Bulls were terrible. Um, we were last in three-pointers made um, last season. My only questions, though, is not only is it the defense next to Zach Levine, because I do think that although he's not terrible defensively, He's not like a defensive stopper where it's like Kobe White is the defensive stopper next to um, he's not that Rajon Rondo next to Drew Holiday um, situation. And then it's the threes is question two. Yes, he's good at shooting the three. He made what, 35 percent in college? Yeah, 35 percent average about six to seven a game. However, 
he was also a streaky shooter in college where um, he would have games where he was either lights out or it was kind of like, okay, there's a little bit of a dry spell here. And then he got things going, which leads me into my third question. Well, that was a big thing was when he was not able to draw the defense in by his driving, mm-hmm. they were able to close out on him. Which you think he will be up. able to do in Chicago, no doubt. No, I don't. Okay. That's why I don't love him as a prospect. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying if it works, I think he, he if, has the, if the, they're able to the lane in. for him to work in Chicago is clear. Mm-hmm. He just needs to be able to do it efficiently. Which That's I will say. I don't think he's going to be a great off-ball shooter. Mm-hmm. Um, well, if it's open, I think he'll knock him down. But if, I think Which if, could happen if, if Zach's if, driving in and he's open on the but outside. If he, but, but if he's not, I don't think they're going to be like he's, – he's not going to be able to have a guard in front of him mm-hmm. catching a pass and then being able to create for himself. Yeah. He's not one of those guys. He's not like Luca, where he would catch the ball and then obviously shake off a defender, step back, and hit a three. He's not one of those players that he's can a create a lot of. what you're saying. Yeah, he's not a lot of – he's not going to create a ton of separation. Mm-hmm. He's more going to be able to knock down open threes. Which, if you think about it, could help him because, I mean, Automatic Porter had success with that oh, when, okay. you know, Zach would drive in, kick it out, Otto kicks it up for three, gave us a boost in that. Um those are basically my three questions is what will he do defensively? How will the production of threes be? And number three, the last one is let's say there's time where Zach's on the bench and Kobe's out there running the second unit. Can he run the second unit? Because that's a big thing. We need someone when Zach's on the bench who can be that guy that I'm going to run it. And not only am I going to create assists, but I'm going to be able to drive to the basket and draw defenders in. Well, that's how he's going to be able to like create Zach assists. Does. He's not going to be. He's not going to dominate you in the pick and roll. He's not yeah. going to pick you apart like that. He's going to drive. He's going and to kick drive out. and kick out. That's mm-hmm. the main way that he, you know, really saw that uh, that, that success in UNC, and that's why drive Cam, and kick out the Larry. That's why Cam Johnson's a number eleven pick. That's mm-hmm. why Luke May was. Oh, also Luke May didn't get drafted. Um, <laughs> that's why Luke May, you know, Missed was so effective in, in college. That's why. Um, not really necessarily little because he wasn't effective in college. Um, but the, the players at UNC, they, they were so effective was because Kobe White's speed would drive into defense. They would collapse. They would try to rush and, and, and obviously close out. And then they wouldn't be able to do so. Um, so I think that's that's a huge thing with, with, with that team is that I, I absolutely love that they're able to – that Kobe White will be able to do is at least draw that in and open up those shooters. And he might not be a traditional point guard that I think Chicago needs or Chicago mm-hmm. wanted. Uh, but he will be able to get assists. He'll be able to open up the outside for for this team. And I and I think what he gives the Bulls is another ball handler. And I think that he can be a primary ball handler. It's just when Zach's not out there now, who's the backup too? Mm-hmm. And can't be Archer Diakono because that dude sucks. Um, <laughs> so now filling out the bench is going to be the biggest, uh, at least, goal for the for for the Chicago Bulls. But mm-hmm. I, I like the pick. Um, I was down on them. I thought they needed to take the best player available. Mm-hmm. But looking at who was available, and if I had to power rank the players for the Chicago Bulls, it was Hunter. Or no, sorry, it was Culver. It was Hunter. It was Garland, and then it was it was Kobe. And mm-hmm. and obviously they missed out on those first three because they all went. But then it was then and then obviously Kobe was available. I would have taken Kobe White over Cam Reddish. I think I think you address the need over taking. You know, a mystery box in Cam mm-hmm. Reddish, really. Yeah, so. and I mean, to me, when the pick happened, of course, the emotions kind of run through you as a fan. Um, I was really hoping we'd take Cam Reddish, but I just, right now, it's wait and see of like, all right, Kobe, you're a bull. You're one of us. Now it's, 
what are you going to do for us? And I hope he does great things. The second round, though, was completely different for me. I loved it. Daniel Gafford. Like, mm-hmm. Rolo is a free agent. Don't know if we're going to re-sign him. Um, I mean, Wendell will probably be our five, marking it at the four. But, like, Gafford's a guy that many last year had. He was – but the day he chose to go back to college, Brandon and I did a big board, had him in the top 25. People complained, hey, he's going back to college. Um, this year there were at times we had him in the late first round. Getting him in the second round, I think, is a steal for the Bulls, who can be a rim protector for us off the bench, can be a rebounder for us off the bench, and he can be someone for, like, I know the league is all about spacing, but if we need someone close to the rim, he can be that guy for us because he's not going to step out and shoot many threes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I think... (sighs) I, I, I... I, I think Gafford was a, a fantastic pick for them. And the fact that he fell all the way to 38 was a mistake. Mm-hmm. Um, but a big thing with that, too, is centers are just not addressed at mm-hmm. all throughout this whole draft. Um, Naz Reed went undrafted. Uh, Zylan Cheatham, who we mentioned earlier on, uh, went, went undrafted as well. I was surprised by both of those players. Uh, Jackson Hayes went higher than we thought, but even then, Goga fell all the way to 18. Yep. And then we saw Cabanjale go, but Cabanjale isn't really even a technical like center. He's he's more of a a four five, and he he could stretch the floor. Who was it in the live stream? That's like if if Pop or Jerry West wants you, you're good. Yeah, I, I forget who it was. <laughs> uh, but then you know Nick Claxton goes mm-hmm. in the second round. He was seen as a first round uh, talent, at least that's why he was invited to the green room. Yeah, uh, Bruno Fernando kind of went where we thought he was going to go too. Um, but then Gafford goes, and I look at. You know, him versus Fernando, and I think the only reason why Fernando's above Gafford is because Bruno Fernando showed a little bit of a shot um, when it when it came to the outside. So I think that's probably why he went above him. But when you look at Gafford, Gafford's extremely polished. He can add a ton to your team, at least rolling to the basket. He's a big body. He can protect the rim. Um, I think the only thing that I wor- worry about him is him not being t- uh, dynamic enough offensively. Mm-hmm. But with that, I think he kind of just ends up filling the role that Bobby Porras left. Obviously, he's a little bit bigger than Bobby Porras. And the hole that might be left by Rolo. He's a guy that I think if he is motivated, he's going to add a lot of punch to this team. And he might not bring the veteran leadership that Rolo did, but I think he could bring similar length, similar rebound abilities, and, and similar strength to this team. So. I think Gafford at 38 is a fantastic pick. The question is, what does he feel about mascots? Because Rolo didn't like mascots, and we need someone who's (laughs) going to be an enforcer against those mascots from those pesky other teams and that pesky Benny the Bull um, that we got. I I totally agree with the Bruno Fernando to Daniel Gafford thing is the reason why Gafford didn't go to Atlanta was Bruno's more of a fit for them um, and is more of the big that they were looking for, someone that can – Pass a little bit better, can step out and make an outside shot, um, and obviously the rebounding, both of them have that, but the passing for Bruno, I would say, is better. Um, I mean, even the Bulls, if they wanted to, with Daniel Gafford, because his defense isn't perfect, what we could do in some situations if we want, like, and this is like in the season, like if Lowry needs a rest, Lowry's on the bench, all right, Wendell moved to the four, Gafford at the five, and Wendell, because of how good defensively he is, he can kind of cover for Gafford 
um, where Gafford kind of has his lacks um, in the in the fundamentals um, for defense. Yeah, and overall with the Bulls, what direction do you think they're going to go after? At least looking at this team, because last year you had agency. What's that? Or just in general? Just in general, because okay. last year you had uh, two picks where you ended up taking uh, Chandler Hutchinson and you got uh, Wendell Carter Jr. Mm-hmm. Um, before that, you got Laurie Markkinen. Um, you were able to add Zach Levine in that trade as well, as long with, along with Chris Dunn. Now you're able to add two players that we think are going to be impact players for them and Kobe White and Daniel Gafford. What's the next step for them in filling out this roster? And is there a clear need for this team? Because obviously it was point guard, and you feel like they didn't address it fully with, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, you thinking Kobe White's going to be a, a combo guard. So what's the next move for them, both in free agency, possibly in trades, and at least making sure that this team is a little less pathetic than they have been over the past year? I mean, defensively, I think the main our free agency – the thing I think that is basically a need is we need a veteran point guard because Chris Dunn is not super young, but he's not a veteran. Um, also, you've got Kobe White, who is young. He's a rookie. Um, adding a Papev, adding a D. Rose would at least have a veteran presence in that point guard. And kind of like I like the idea that someone had in our comment section before the draft of basically signing a Papev at the time, having him be a mentor to Chris Dunn, and that fell—he could still do it. And that fell that. into another reason the team. why I said we didn't necessarily need um, Kobe White. But like, I look at right now, and I know all of this could change based on next year because how many guys like we had uh, semi Shatu it our way too early mock draft. We had Quentin Grimes in the top ten of our way too early mock mm-hmm. draft. And neither of those guys were in the top ten of this draft. Shatu so, didn't even get drafted. Exactly. And Grimes went <laughs> yeah, back Grimes to college. college. I just I look at next year and next year's draft is gonna be interesting because from what I'm looking right now, it's heavily point guard like it's heavily point guarded with like a sprinkling of some bigs where You've got Isaiah Stewart, who's a big from going to Washington. Obviously, James Wiseman um, at Memphis. We'll see how he does this year. Um, you've got Precious, who's also at Memphis. Um, Killian Hayes was the guy I was talking about, that combo guard um, from France. But then you also got, like, Charles Bassey, who went back to college. We'll see how he does. Um, Quentin Grimes, we'll see how he does because everyone was high on him. And also with the Bulls, it is a big question David proposed it was if this team is healthy and we make the playoffs, we're not a lottery team. We're picking at like 15 next year. So, I mean, that is a possibility that I see that I don't want us to have because there's part of me that looks at it. And especially this year with the new odds of the draft, I feel like the Bulls, the best thing for next year, we can compete a little bit better. Let's say we're at instead of 22 points per game, if we can add 11 wins and get to 33 wins, that would be good. Like staying like 33 would be the benchmark, but still staying in the lottery. And the reason why I say that is how many wins did New Orleans and Memphis have? 33. And they were the one and two pick because of the new odds. So, I mean, 
to me, it doesn't necessarily, we don't have to be racing and having a race for the top three picks, mm-hmm. but we got to stay in the lottery next year. I don't want us to be like that year two years ago that you mentioned where we made the playoffs and we're locked at 15. If you made the playoffs, are you are you upset? Yes, because we're getting bounced by Milwaukee in the first round. We're getting bounced by Milwaukee or a Kawhi-led Raptors team. Which, I don't wouldn't want you that. rather have a, a better team, though? Nope. Would you rather have a team that's at least you're proud of watching? Give me the draft. Like, I can be proud of watching a team and still be a lottery team. Like, I mean, there were teams this year in the lottery that didn't have as much glim hope. I think, like, New York was Mm -hmm. probably one of the ones that were— Like, New York was, hey, we're going to get those free agents. But, like, Miami and Charlotte— they didn't have a bad time watching their team. New Orleans, the only bad thing was that you had the whole Anthony Davis thing looming over you. Memphis they wasn't a bad team the last watch. week. Yeah, the like last the whole week. La- once Anthony Davis set out, that and team was horrible. No, and that's the thing. Like, like that's horrible. They had the Anthony Davis situation. Charlie was only fun when they were winning in the in the first month. That team got pathetic too. And I just I feel like this could be a fun team of like I know the expectations, but. I don't want to make the playoffs just to get bounced in the first round. That doesn't help us. I think if you go out and sign, I think Pat Beverly mm-hmm. wants to be here badly, or at least Which, he's showing on Twitter. With um, arms wide open, Pat Bev. Yeah, but that's that's <laughs> your fan base. you got to yeah. go through guard packs. With arms um, wide open. I think in the end, though, you're probably not going to get him. You're probably going to get you're probably gonna get like David Nwaba back. Derek Rose. Um, not you're even. Derek Rose? You're, you're not even. You're not going to get anybody you like. Um I don't know. I think if I think if you're going to go after that, you need to address the point guard situation. You need to address the four situation as mm-hmm. well because I don't think you have a good backup idea behind marketing. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I think it's probably just filling out the bench in general because you can't throw out Archie Diacono and Wayne Selden Jr. and all these guys. I think the biggest thing Cristiano too is I want to see Felicia. how. Yeah, well, Felicia, you're gonna have to throw out there because that dude's signed long term. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think the biggest thing that I think you're gonna look at not only what Garpax needs to do, but what Jim Boylan can do building this team up. Because if they're able to have at least some success and the team is playing well and they, they're they they're getting along, mm-hmm. I think that's the biggest thing because you heard so much about Jim Boylan and the team not liking him early yeah. on and then warming up a little bit at the end. If he's able to keep that mojo, I think that's going to be the biggest positive for the, the Bulls is at least having a coach that is getting along with the players. And maybe you don't like his philosophy because mm-hmm. he said some stupid things before. Uh but if it ends up being progress, that's all the Bulls can hope for. It depends. Is Kobe White going to be what I'm calling a bo- a boiling bro is what I've uh, labeled it on the podcast that Dave and I did. What does that um, mean? Basically, it's just like Dave started throwing out like the coach's last name with like something that means like friend. So it's like a friendly thing. A boiling bro is like that you agree with boiling. You're not going to fight with them. And we're all happy here, which... That's the one thing with White that I won't say will be an issue, I don't think, because you look at Nasir Little and how much problems he had with Roy Williams. Well, Boylan, to me, kind of runs the ship kind of similarly to a Roy Williams, where it's like, this is it. All right, coach, that's what we're going to do, kind of a situation. So, I mean, that won't be a problem because Kobe White was used to that at UNC, having that, like, older coach that's kind of like, oh... With Boylan, I almost get a sense of, like, it's my way or the highway um, from him. Just thinking about your nickname, though, Mm -hmm. I think that's too douchey. I think with Boylan, Boylan, with how serious Jim Boylan Mm -hmm. is, 
I think you need to go like, like more military like, term. No, I think it needs to be the exact opposite. I think it huh. needs to be like a Teletubby thing. So like Boylan's buds. <laughs> that works. Or Boylan's buddies. Boylan's buddies. Boylan's buddies. Yeah, you know I dig that. Yeah. Boylan's buddies. Because Boylan Bros <laughs> doesn't. I think Boylan's buddies mm-hmm. is better. <laughs> Anyways, let us know what you think about the Bulls draft down in the comments below. Uh, I think it was the right pick, Kobe White, for them. And I think I think mm-hmm. Darius uh, not Darius Garland. That would have been a great pick. Uh, I think Daniel Gafford was a great pick as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was. I think it was a good all-around draft from the from the Bulls. There wasn't a player at thirty-eight that I think you could have addressed more uh, of their team needs with that with that pick. I don't think there was a player that they kind of missed out on at all. I, I think mean, Gafford was was a, was a good pick there. And the ones that I was kind of looking at beforehand were like Isaiah Roby. We worked out Lewis King twice. And then Shimori Pons well, were the ones I thought King, we were going to get. King, you might be able to get as an undrafted free agent. Yeah. So he, mm-hmm. he didn't get picked. So th- that might have shown a reason why he wasn't gone. But mm-hmm. let us know what you think about the Bulls draft down in the comments below. Let's move into the next topic, and that is the Boston Celtics and their draft. It wasn't a bright one to start. They stuck at 14 and took Romeo Lankford, which I don't think most people had a problem with. I think I think it was a pretty uh, easy pick for them to take at 14. They needed to address the two-guard position and they did so and then they had the 20th pick and news came out that they were taking Matisse Thibel but then immediately that was met with news that they were trading that to the Philadelphia 76ers and getting the 24th pick and the 33rd pick then Mm -hmm. that turned them trading the 24th pick to Phoenix for Phoenix to select Ty Jerome and the Celtics got multiple players in that Oh, and then I, after the 20th pick, they took uh, Grant Williams at 22. Do you want me to lay it down? Because I got an article yeah, here. Yeah, go ahead. So they drafted Romeo Langford at 14, um, then traded 20 to Philadelphia for 24 and 33. 33. Yeah. Um, then drafted Grant Williams at 22, um, traded 24 and Aaron Baines to Phoenix, just to Phoenix. And I think they got Milwaukee's first-round pick Yeah, they did. The um, next year. Drafted Garland at 33, a pick before the Sixers. Danny Ainge strikes again. Yeah, Carson Edwards. Garland. Um, I, the Purdue colors similar to the Vandy colors. Um, and then they took uh, guard at LSU, Tremont Waters at 51. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so immediately that was met by Celtic superfan uh, Bill Simmons um, by saying, why the hell are we picking Matisse Thibel and then trading him to an in-division rival? Because mm-hmm. uh, he liked Thibel. He had, obviously, one of the best wing defenders. Divisions it, don't matter in basketball. Uh, one of the best, <laughs> one of the best uh, def- wing, wing defenders, though. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the talk was that Danny Ainge is a bad drafter in, in our yeah. Twitch stream. But looking back at this, Ricky, our question is posing, mm-hmm. did the Celtics have a bad draft? Personally, I look at this. I like the draft. It's not the worst, and the the thing that confuses me is, so we knew going into it that, so Woj was like, Celtics are going to trade one of their first-round picks, and we all thought that meant, well, they're not going to take an extra person with it, but instead of taking one in the first, they trade back, take one in the second, and it's like... Romeo Lankford, I'll be honest, I'm not super high on Lankford, but the question that I have for him is basically with this team out there right now, is he going to be their second unit guy, like off the bench? Like, is he going to be the ball dominant guy for this team? Because that's what he was at Indiana. 
Grant Williams, I absolutely love for this team because he's a high IQ player that I think is a kind of scra- not scrappy defender, but he's that defender that is going to cause you fits and just be annoying out there. He's mm. kind of like that gnat that just stays very close to you, and you're like, get the fuck away from me. Um, and he's the perfect player, one of the perfect players that I think fits with a Brad Stevens type of team. And then Carson Edwards. I absolutely love Carson Edwards, and I know that he there's questions like you have brought up in our pre-draft discussions of his size, and is that going to affect his shot ability and his shot creation um, at the NBA? But they're a team that losing Kyrie, they could possibly lose Terry Rozier. Um, The Celtics hit some needs and hit some teams, and I know Tremont Waters kind of fits that. Like, they go double point guard in the second round. Hey, one of them has to fit. I wonder if they're going to let Terry Rozier walk so then they have that 34 million. Like, what Woj tweeted, it's what, 25.8 million in cap space right now? Yeah. And then if they let Rozier go, it goes to 34 million. I wonder if that's what Danny Ainge is doing, where it's like, fuck it. I'm just going to load up all this cap space and try to hit something in free agency or just pick guys that are really going to fit. The Celtic model. Yeah, I think the, the, the part that I love about, the part, I don't know if I love, love's, love's a strong mm-hmm. word, Ricky. Um, you don't want to ever say you love something before you, <laughs> you know, really get to know it. Yeah. Um, but like you were saying, Bobby Marks tweeted out, that well, just retweeted, uh, Boston's now sitting at $25.8 million in cap room, mm-hmm. factoring in the Rozier hold after the trade with Phoenix could increase to $34 million without Rozier. If I'm the Celtics, goodbye, Terry. I don't yeah. need you. Bye, Scary Especially Terry. after everything he said on the jump, bye-bye, get out of here. Well, that, we don't need you. That's really not what I, I'm I'm referring to. I just I don't think he's worth the contract that he's mm-hmm. going to end up getting. I think that it's an overpay. And I don't love him that much as a player. And mm-hmm. being 25 and looking at what they're doing, they're going to be getting rid of Al Horford. They're going to be getting rid of Kyrie Irving. Well, they're not getting Oldest rid player. of Al Horford. Al Horford's getting rid of them. Yes. Um they weren't able to come to contract terms, and it's most likely that he's going to be leaving. So mm-hmm. it looks like they're going to be going in a younger direction, and I think just go completely younger and don't lock up your contract and a possibly not great player in Terry Rozier. Mm-hmm. He had a, obviously some great times when Kyrie wasn't out there, so maybe you want to play to that. But he's a below 40% shooter from the field in his career. He's a below th- average uh, shooter from three, and I'm really cutting it thin on the three because his average is 35.5 mm-hmm. and the league average is 30 or his his average is 35.4 and the league average last year was 35.5 so it's close on that one but he's not that great of a three free throw shooter either um and he's not a great passer but he's not horrible like he's he's got a decent assist to turnover ratio but i say go with the 34 million either go after a very young player in d'angelo russell um if he is going to be able to walk I think that you can probably entice him to come over. And even if you don't get him, that $34 million is huge with all the draft picks that you do have because you could possibly get more draft picks and take yeah. on a bad contract and just build up even longer mm-hmm. for, for some of these teams. And I think that would be kind of salivating to Danny Ainge <laughs> because you look at this roster, and I think one of the oldest p- players on this team is obviously going to be Marcus Smart, but I don't think you get rid of him. I love the two guards that they took in this draft, at least point guards, Carson Edwards and Trey Mount Waters, for this team mm-hmm. because we've seen small guards in Brad Stevens' system 
accelerate. Mm-hmm. And if you're putting Carson Edwards in a situation where he's open and he's using his speed, that holy shit, I love that. Yeah. I don't like when Carson Edwards is like, I'm going rogue. I'm mm-hmm. going, you know, with 30 foot three pointers because like, I'm feeling hot. If he that's was doing like that, what they used to do with IT, that's what I'm saying. Then it works. Yeah, the, the screen yeah. stuff. If he's playing in more of a set system mm-hmm. where he's the plan is to get him open, I love that. And Trey Mount Waters, he's kind of what I think the perfect balance to Carson Edwards, where he's a very decent three point shooter. He's he's very a solid, consistent three point shooter, and he's also a very good defender. So while Edwards might be played out of the lineup because of his lack of size and lack of defense, and mm-hmm. although Waters is kind of small, I think Waters has that natural defensive instinct to stay in front of guys and, and to really pressure p- uh, players. And he's also a really good passer where I think that that lacks in Carson Edwards. Mm-hmm. So those two guards where you have a great scoring guard in Edwards and you have a good all-around guard in Waters, I love that fit. And if Lankford's shot is as good as we think it is, and you know the Celtics gym, these guys are already shooting above average. Those soft um, rims, man. I think that Romeo Langford could also be a steal this draft. So you're looking at this lineup, and you have, you know, smart Edwards, Waters, Langford in that backcourt with the, the guard position. Then you have Tatum, mm-hmm. Brown as your two primary wings. Gordon Hayward. Gordon Hayward as well. Um, and then you bring in... Grant Williams as well as the four, and you look at that five spot, and that's a little bit iffy for them, at least looking forward. But you do have two potential guys, uh, especially you have Robert Williams who just drafted, and Semi Ojale who can kind of bounce from the three to the five, who's mm-hmm. putting in a ton of work to be better. Um, I'm probably missing someone as well, too. Uh, didn't they just take uh, – who's the other guy the that they Lord. took? Huh? The Time Lord, Robert Williams? I said Robert Williams. No, there's another guy that they They've took, They've got – uh, uh, what position? The four? F- you know, it's uh, – f- uh, International Semi? player. Yeah, Beasley? Yeah, Gershon. Uh, they have Gershon, too. So there's a lot of young players on this team that nothing stands out as great, but you have mm-hmm. $34 million in cap space, and I think this could be a very interesting team, too. Especially having Memphis' pick next year. Mm-hmm. I think overall they came out well, and addressed the needs that they needed to, and now you just really need to go after that center position for me. The question from that, because we're going to talk about Memphis, obviously, with the last thing, talking about the Mike Conley trade. The thing I want to ask you about Memphis, which brings it into this, do you think the team that Memphis has now after the Mike Conley trade, top seven team in the or top six team in the draft, or are they going to be between seven and thirty? Because if this is a team that is now younger and is going to be a top six team again, then Boston ain't getting that pick till twenty twenty one, not twenty twenty. So that's the question you got to mm-hmm. answer first. Is I kind of have a feeling that this young Memphis team could they make a run and be outside the top six? Yeah. Yes. But, I mean, based off of the lottery and this team could be in the top six, I think this is a team that Boston ain't getting that pick next year. They're getting in 2021. Here's the thing that you could do, though. Mm -hmm. If you're in a position where, you know, Memphis is kind of on that borderline of the six, Mm -hmm. maybe take a shot and just trade early in the season and you put protections on it or something Mm -hmm. like that. But if you're going for a younger player that you think can help your team— I don't know exactly who's going to be available, but that could be something that you could explore. Maybe just don't let it be in the hands of the lottery. Just take it out of your hands and trade that pick. Knowing Danny Ainge, he won't fucking do that. Um, but that could be something that could be possible. I, I just think that looking with this draft, it kind of signals a rebuild for me. 
but it doesn't mean like strip down everything because there's a lot of great pieces there that are already in place. And you have mm-hmm. probably the most important one, uh, at least most important two, uh, in Jason Tatum and you have Brad Stevens. So mm-hmm. this is a draft that I like for the Celtics. The biggest thing that hurts them is for agency, but we're talking about the draft. Yeah, I mean, the draft isn't as, like, is it the players that they wanted? No. Um, I, I think Lankford was. Well, Lankford could be, but I think this, I feel like this fan base was fit with one of our patrons, Eric. They wanted Tyler Hero. Um, you, the yeah. Tyler Hero. I didn't hear too much chatter about that. There I, was, I obviously heard a lot from Eric, but. Yeah, there was the rumors that they really liked Goga. There were rumors that they really liked Nasir Little. And were some like, how many times did a Celtic pick come up and you asked during the live stream, okay, Ricky, who are they going to take? And I was going off of what I read and what I saw, and I was like, Nasir Little. And then they didn't take Nasir Little. And I was like, well, fuck. I, everything I read before this draft was wrong. And, of course, everyone's not going to be right. There's some things these GMs are going to hold this information close to their chest I just, I like the players they got. Romeo is, to me, the big, like, Romeo's the biggest question. Tremont Waters is the second question um, because I feel like they drafted him to be kind of what not just Scary Terry can be, but what Marcus Smart can be, that defensive player, and where Carson Edwards is more of that offensive point guard for them. Grant Williams, I think, is going to be a great player for Boston. He's going to fit this team, fit this chemistry. He's just going to be a really good Boston Celtic for them. The question is, what do they do in free agency? And there's part of my mind that goes Boston wild where I'm like, ooh, if they could entice a Jimmy Butler away from the Sixers and away from the Lakers Mm -mm. and pair him up with someone else. But then there's a part of me that's like, no, Celtics aren't going to do that. They're not that team. They're probably just going to find these little free agents that are going to fit their team very well, and they're not going to be the max salary guys. I think you're immediately looking at D'Angelo Russell with mm-hmm. the cap space of that freed up. I, I don't think it, it might be a huge opportunity, but I think Even it's definitely one that you— three point guards already on the team? But they're not D'Angelo Russell. True, but I mean, you drafted two. Uh, like you, dra- it, my problem if, is if you bring in D'Angelo Russell, five guards isn't a lot to handle. Are you instantly? Yeah, but I don't think can Carson is Carson Edwards playing the two? Like Marcus he Smart, can. we know can play the two. Is had yeah, so that's not a problem. But like, do you want Carson Edwards playing the two? Yeah, okay. why not? I just I just see him more as that like point guard scorer Why? compared to that too because you mean, also got Jalen Brown scores to work are scores it doesn't matter where like, he's playing and it, 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 you've it, also got Brown Tatum and Hayward to work out between the two and the three. You could play Hayward at the four, or or Tatum at the four. I mean, you could, but I'm looking at that, and that's a that's a small that's a lineup that since none of those guys are a true four, I almost look at it and I go in the right I, matchup. Are they going to be? Basically, being twenty three years old and having talent that he does, especially with the year he had, I think it's definitely mm-hmm. something that you look towards. You're not just going to add him just because you're not going to not add him just because you know he might not fit the system. Tremont Waters might, might not even make the team. We don't know. So he's definitely a guy that you should look at, um, and that might be available for them to sign. Um, looking at other RFAs, there's not a ton that they could possibly make a, a huge push for. I'd be interested to see what they would do with a guy like Stanley Johnson. 
Mm-hmm. Um, not a great shooter. And I think probably some Celtics fans are probably throwing up uh, with his his name being brought up. But him as a defensive wing, uh, coming off the bench, he could be interesting. And Willie Cauley-Stein's interesting to me, too. A good rebounder, a guy that could be very effective. And the one that I think that my mind is kind of racing about with, you know, what will he do? What, you know, will he fin- finally sign an extension? Mm-hmm. It would be Chris Stops. Yeah. What, what would be the biggest fuck you to be like, hey. Steal him away. Dallas, screw you. And I think Dallas would match it. Um, but I don't know. Could, he, he'd be, he, he's going to be an interesting RFA because mm-hmm. he hasn't signed yet with Dallas. I don't know. I almost, I'm looking at guys, too, that are free agents and two that. These I was are, just, yeah, I was just strictly talking to RFAs. Yeah, these are more guards. I got to look if they're RFAs or not. One's not. Um, if, like, a. Philly doesn't sign a J.J. Redick. If they don't bring him back, why not? Add some shooting from the outside. Um, or if you're going to go cheaper, like a guy like if the Trailblazers aren't going to bring back Seth Curry. Seth Curry played very well, added to them in a playoff series, Can showed last year that he can score and shoot from the outside, I, I think just I think if they're going if mm-hmm. when they're going for agency they're going big. Okay. They're not going. I don't think you're they're going, going home. Run I think they're either nothing. going big or okay. they're not go, or they're not going at all, and they're going to okay. keep that space. Cape space, and then knowing Danny Ainge, I could see give it. me draft picks. Yeah, I I could see it. That's why I'm not arguing because I could see them going D'Angelo Russell. Nope. All right, draft picks. Oh hey, Marvin Williams. Yeah, <laughs> give him. Give Nick, a, hey, let's Nicholas have our Batum? contract. We'll Nicholas take your Batum? 2023 yeah. first round pick top. 15 protected, and then next year it'll be a top but Dan- 10 protected, then it'll be a top 9.5 protected, then it'll be a top 8 protected, but, then it'll be a top 5 protected, but Danny, and then it'll you be a top have, 1 protected. You can on have a this year's pick. Nah, nah, man. I, I want those protections, man. Yeah. Remember what I did to <laughs> Billy King? I'm do it to you, too. Mitch Kupchak. Um, and then if the trade falls through, I offered my firstborn child, man. I don't know why they didn't take it. No. I offered so many picks. I had I had ten toes. And I offered them. I cut them all off. I was gonna send them a cup jack in a freezer. Go, you Van Gogh'd your feet just 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 for one draft pick. <laughs> Anyways, this podcast is going off the rails. We got one more topic. Let us know what you think about the Celtics draft down in the comments below. What's their plan now in free agency and with the news that Kyrie Irving and Al Horford might not sign mm-hmm. with them? Let us know your thoughts down in the comments below. But let's jump into the final topic, and that is Mike. Conley before the draft happened the Mike Conley uh, sweepstakes were won by the Utah Jazz the Grizzlies trade away one of their all-time leading scorers and a team that was led by grit and grind Mike Conley Marcus Gasol Zach Randolph has finally left Memphis an era is over and now the Jazz have a point guard that costs a lot of money Ricky but he's a guy that's never mm-hmm. been an all-star but has probably should have been so they add a High-quality guard. What was the price to pay for it? So the price to pay, and I was pulling up one other thing because there's a different part Mm -hmm. that adds into it. So originally it was Memphis traded guard Mike Conley to Utah for Grayson Allen, Kyle Hot Sauce Corver, and Jay Crowder, and the 23rd pick in tonight's draft plus a future first-round pick. Tonight's draft. Then tonight happened— and the Thunder and Grizzlies made a trade between the 21st. So the Thunder traded the 21st pick to Memphis. Um, and I believe they selected they, Brian Clark. They selected Brian Clark, but they gave away the 
what, 23rd and I think a second rounder mm. or a future 20, second? 2024 second 2024, that's right. So the deal was Mike Conley, mm. a 2024 second round pick, and the 23rd pick for pretty much what turned out to Allen, be— Allen, Corver, Crowder, Brandon Clark. And didn't they get a draft pick? And a future first. Yes, yeah, so, and a future first. So pretty good, lo- pretty good for the Grizz. I look at that in Memphis. Let's talk about them first. Mm-hmm. Holy shit, what I a know, right? fucking haul. You get Brandon Clark. That's a great pick, pairing him with John ja Morant. Mm-hmm. Grayson Allen coming off the bench as a three-point shooter. I think he could be interesting. Kyle Corver is probably nothing at this age, but you might be able to flip him for a second Still if he continues to shooter. shooter. Yeah. And Jay Crowder, not great, but he's cheap. So, mm-hmm. I mean, not horrible for, for what they did. And you get a guy in Brandon Clark who was the second most productive player in college basketball last year, kind of a limited floor because he doesn't have that shooting. But Jaron Jackson and Brandon Clark on on the floor defensively, whew, that's going to be some magic out there, Ricky. Um, so Memphis, I think they they did enough mm-hmm. to 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 compensate the the loss of Mike Conley, what he meant to that franchise. Yeah, and I mean the thing for me is there's only one question. Of course, they're going to address it in free agency. Is right now they don't have a center, but like I believe it was Valanciunas. Well, he's not on spot rack because technically he's a free agent. He but declined like he his said, option, but he wanted to. He'll sign resign. Long-term. Yeah. Um. So hopefully they get him back. Um. The only big question that I have for the Grizzlies is with them adding all these players. Obviously, Jaw's going to be the point guard. Um. Now it becomes a question of with Grayson Allen there. I mean. Avery, you got Avery Bradley and Kyle Korver. I wouldn't be surprised if they try to move Avery Bradley, and maybe like they're grooming then Grayson Allen for the starting point guard job. But like they still have Brandon Clark if he's going to be the three. You still have slow mo Kyle Anderson there. You still got Chandler Parsons for another year. They got C.J. Miles, Jake Crowder, um, Bruno under contract, and then obviously Triple J. Um, being the four, the only question I have is what's going to be their definitive starting lineup eventually, not at the beginning, because obviously, like I think it might be Avery Bradley, just because if he starts the season with them. My question is, who's the long term out of this two and three that they're looking for, and what's the plan for the two and three with Memphis? I think the three would be Brandon Clark. The three over yeah. uh, over a Kyle Anderson. Because he's, well, he's the guy that... Future, yeah. I mean, yeah. Slow-Mo has been a guy that... He, I mean, he's not... Mm-hmm. He's he's super consistent. Yeah. I think I've always seen him as topping out as a bench player. I don't mm-hmm. think he's... He's a fine starter. I just... I think that Brandon Clark's talent and athleticism is going to win out over, Maybe it's a, one over of a guy those... nicknamed Slow-Mo. Yeah. Um, Maybe it's one of those where Brandon Clark starts off the bench, but eventually as the season progresses, he then overtakes... Kyle Anderson, and well, they kind of like also have switch. five years of Clark, where yeah. Anderson already just got rid of. Well, he already just got rid of his mm-hmm. first year of that four year deal. So, yeah. th- I think Clark in the end is going to take take over mm-hmm. for, for for that starter. So, I think he's your future three. Your future four is obviously Jaron Jackson. Your, your future one's obviously uh, John Morant. And you can address mm-hmm. that those those other positions, uh, you know, through the draft. And it's going to be difficult because the Celtics do own your pick. Hopefully, you can get the you know top six pick next year, so you don't lose that pick. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're able to do that, I think you're going to be able to find a guard at some point, yeah. either whether moving down uh, to take the guard that you want and being able to accumulate further draft picks. But if you if you have a guy at two that you want, you could probably end up selecting him. So I, I think that 
overall, they're in a fantastic spot to set themselves up. There's no guarantee that Utah is going to be great in a position where you're going to be selecting deep in the first uh, mm-hmm. with that future first. So you might be looking at a pick that's you know top fifteen to you know fifteen to twenty range. Mm-hmm. Um, so you could also look for 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 a guard in that slot. So I'm not too worried about the future of Memphis because you have three players that have bright futures and a lot of potential. And there's just now the ability to add on more to that team. And Grayson Allen could also surprise us and become that future, too. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think Memphis is in a fantastic spot. But let's talk about the other side of the trade, and I think the more important side of the trade. And the question that we're asking is, does Mike Conley make the Jazz a title contender? And we're talking NBA title. And I think that question is more focused on this year. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why the Jazz did that. Obviously, Kevin Durant and Clay Thompson's free agency is up in the air. There's no deal yet done, but the Warriors are saying injuries too. Well, at least saying that they're going to stay in the Warriors is not a certainty at this point. But the Warriors did say they want to come out and extend maxes to both of them. So Mm -hmm. let's just play the fun game of KD and Clay stay. They're still dampened, at least as a team, because you're not getting Clay back until. April, if you're lucky, coming mm-hmm. off an ACL tear, and you're probably not getting K- KD back at all next year. Um, and if he's coming back, he's coming back late in the playoffs. So the king of the West, the Warriors, they look extremely down and hurt. And then you got to look at the other contenders. The Rockets, mm-hmm. they've been a team that's very been ultra competitive. Uh, you know, James Harden is our MVP this year, most likely probably going to be Giannis, but Guy that's been to top. correct you on a past podcast, you said we all picked Harden. I went with Giannis. Oh, okay, just saying. Well, majority <laughs> went Harden, and that way, I mean, you have a player that's been top two in, in MVP voting in back to back years. I think even back back three back to back years because mm-hmm. I think he just lost his stuff the the year prior to that. Um, but with that, you have Houston, but they're kind of up in the air. Chris Paul's health is always an injury concern. They were they had everybody on the table. There was rumors about a CP three. Rumor, uh, rumor, rumor, trade rumor, uh, or trade demand. So we'll see if that team holds up. You have Portland, who just lost in the Western Conference Finals. They're going to be bringing back their big two of Dame and CJ. Nurkic is going to be uh, recovering from a broken leg. You have Denver, the young and up-and-coming team. You have the Lakers, too, with LeBron James and AD. So looking at Utah, where do they fit in the Western Conference with the Warriors, the Rockets, the Lakers, the Clippers, the Nuggets, the Trailblazers, the Thunder, uh, the Rockets, where do they where do they fit in this? As it stands right now, it re- like the big thing for me is the two big dominoes are the LA teams. What are they gonna be able to mm-hmm. do in free agency? Because the Lakers, I feel like, need one more max player. Um, and the Clippers are expecting to add max players. If the Clippers get Kawhi and someone else. I think they'd be above the Jazz of the fifth seed, so that bumps them down to six. If the Lakers get another player that's good, that's a max caliber player, there's a possibility that those two teams jump the Jazz, and the Jazz would be bumped to seven to where the biggest question I have about this is I understand why the Jazz made the move because you look at what they gave up. Crowder was expendable. 
Corver's expendable. You, you, I mean, that's the first time Utah's yeah. made a midseason trade in like years. Grayson Allen. So he wasn't is, even a part of their future in the beginning of the start of the last year. Besides the picks, Grayson Allen's the sweetener of that deal. Of like, hey, we're giving you a young player who, yeah, I know he only played like, and he only started 13 games, only played 30 last year. Yeah. Didn't have he a was great high rookie year. Um, but he's someone that you could grow and could maybe be a bench player is his a good bench player is his floor my question is how is Mike Conley and Mitchell gonna gel together I think it's perfect and that's the and that's the thing of like so this is the jazz basically saying goodbye to Ricky Rubio we're not gonna try to resign you because they went out and got Mike Conley I just wonder it's is it one of those things like remember when we we've said so many times when like a team makes a trade or a free agency comes and it's like man this is great they're gonna be this and then we start seeing them play together and it's like ooh ooh this look this look good on paper but it's not good on the floor I just for me I, I want to wait and see how Utah how, what I see from Utah early on before I start saying because right now I would say. That they are I, exactly here, where I, they are if the Lakers and Clippers don't make a deal. Mm-hmm. If they make signings, they're a seven seed. I, I think they're better than a seven seed. Well, it's I, just I think, how competitive is the West going to be? I think it's going to be competitive, but I think they're better than a seven seed. Mm-hmm. I think to kind of stomp out some, like let's say, you know, what you just said, mm-hmm. at least with the whole Donovan Mitchell and Mike Conley yeah. working together, kind of like embers in a fire or in a, in a mm-hmm. forest, right? Those things kick up might be a forest fire. I'm gonna I'm gonna put a I'm gonna I'm gonna you know stop those out. All right, okay. I'm not gonna I'm gonna put out the forest fire early. I'm just first asking off, questions. First off, they haven't played together, but even with that, I think the biggest problem that we saw late in Donovan Mitchell's Utah first season run and throughout his whole second season run mm-hmm. was he had trouble with other people stepping up to create plays. And taking pressure off of him scoring. And that is going to be immediately relieved by Mike Conley. He's going to be able to create for Donovan Mitchell. Mitchell's going to be able to work more off ball. And he'll be able to score more and take more pressure off of Donovan Mitchell. Mike Conley's more consistent shooter than Ricky Rubio is. And he turns the ball over less, I believe, than Ricky Rubio. I Mm -hmm. could be wrong. Um, And he's also going to kick in high-impact defense, which Rubio did. But I think the biggest part of that is going to be the shooting aspect that that Conley brings in. Uh, Rubio was a decent shooter, but Conley's more consistent. And that's going to help this team at least flow more fluidly offensively. Mitchell seemed that he kept gassing himself a lot out last year, and the injury to Rudy Gobert early on didn't really help. And he didn't have a lot of help from Rubio, and obviously he didn't have a ton of help from Crowder as well. Crowder was kind of a disappointment. That's why they went out and got Corver. So I think the pairing of those two are going to be fine because the biggest thing that Mitchell needed last year was a break mm-hmm. and, and, and to be able to take a breath. And I think that he's still an effective player. And I think now having a player that can be impactful as Mike Conley is going to be huge for him. And that's kind of what Rubio provided in his first year, his first season with Utah. Mm-hmm. And I think that Conley's going to be able to bring that back. So immediately I like that addition. And now looking at that lineup 
you're going to be able to play Conley at the one, Mitchell at the two. You have Ingles out there. I'd probably play him at the four and then Gobert at the five. Mm -hmm. I think the three spots open for them. I don't know exactly what they're going to do. You and also put the question Ingles of, at the three and someone else at the like. Well, the thing is that Favors, I don't know mm-hmm. if Favors is staying. Yeah. So if Favors was there, play him at the four, although mm-hmm. he's typically, you know, up, he's better at the five. Then you just got to find someone to play the three. Yeah, or the four. And, and I don't mm-hmm. know if they have that player on the roster exactly. I might be totally overlooking somebody. Right now, their roster of threes is George's Niang, your boy. Um, and Royce O'Neal. Oh, Royce, yeah, Royce O'Neal would play the three. And that then Tyler legit. Kavanaugh is their other four, yeah. but he's an no. RFA right now. So, yeah, it'd be it'd be my starting lineup for that team would then be Conley, Mitchell. Mm-hmm. I was totally forgetting about O'Neal. O'Neal, Jingles, and Gobert. And it's not deadly, mm-hmm. but what O'Neal brings is shooting from the outside. What Ingles brings is shooting from the outside and great defense. Mm-hmm. Gobert is going to bring that powerhouse inside and a great screen setter. And you're going to have two dynamic guards in Conley and, and Mitchell. I think it's a very interesting starting five. And you also have Quinn Snyder, who's a fantastic coach. And now my question is, how are you going to supplement those players? Because you did give up a lot of your bench in Crowder and Corver and a- Allen. Mm-hmm. How are you going to be able to supplant that team with players? Because it's not a guarantee that Favors is going to come back. And even then, I don't know if Favors is a great fit on this team. Him and Joe Ingles together was absolutely nasty. But outside of that, I don't know what his major effect was on that team. So now you just got to look at this team, and they have a lot of money tied up with Gobert. They have a lot of money taking on that Conley contract. How else are they going to fill out that bench, especially not having any draft picks? I think, well, not Mm -hmm. even first-round draft picks in this year's draft, uh, obviously trading that to the Grizzlies in that trade. Well, and I guess another reason why I pose that question is, for me, the last time with the Grizzlies— yeah. We saw because Charson, Carson, Carson, Car, not Carson, Grayson Allen, no Parsons, uh, Chandler Parsons, Chandler Parsons. I wanted to combine his first name and his last name into Carson Parsons, uh, but Chandler Parsons, he's been injured a lot, so it's like really, him and Mike Conley haven't really gelled as much. Like, for example, thir- I'm looking at two years ago. 34 games for Chandler Parsons, 69 for Mike Conley. And it's, I'm looking at from 2017. So 2017, Conley and Gasol. Then the year before that, Conley, Gasol, and Zach Randolph. Then the same thing, Conley, Gasol, Zach Randolph. The last time we saw a three that was on the top of the team in scoring was 2013 when Rudy Gay... If you want to hit the sound clip, you can, Sean. Oh, my God, it's Rudy Gay. Hold on. <laughs> Fucking Rudy Gay, man. Shit. Rudy Gay led that team. Only 42 games for Rudy Gay. Led the team in scoring that year with 17. Mike Conley, only 14.6. Had six assists. Is that the Mike Conley we're going to see? And Mike Conley, that was one of the only years he played 80 games. He played him and Gasol both played 80 games that year. Is that the Conley we are going to see? The more of like, hey, Don Mitch, I'm going to let him take more of that scoring role, and I'm going to find him the ball, and we could have a Mike Conley that is averaging six assists a game. I know he averaged 6.4 last year, yeah. but are we going to see that where it's like he's the assister to 
Donovan Mitchell. He's going to be the lead ball handler. He's going to have a very similar season mm. to what I think was probably around his, his well, obviously his last year, mm-hmm. um, I think 6.4, and then his uh, pretty much his 23 to 26-year-old seasons okay. where he was extremely efficient moving the ball, uh, You know, probably averaged around like 6.3 assists mm-hmm. those games, 6.5, 6.5, 6.16. Um, and only turning the ball over about like two times a game throughout that year, those years. I think that we're going to probably see that Mike Conley um, or Mike Conley like 2016 because he's now going to be taking on more of a role. He was mm-hmm. taking on less of a role back then. Um, and in 2016, 2017, before he got injured in that 2017-2018 year, putting up 20 points per game and putting up you know, about six assists, 6.3 assists a game. And I think he's probably going to do similar to that. He doesn't have to deal with Marcus Saul. He doesn't have to deal with you know uh, Zach Randolph anymore. Uh, he can really focus in on you know using his speed a bit more, mm-hmm. and I think using his body as well. Although he does have to deal with injuries, um, I, I think we're going to see probably one of the better Mike Conley's that we've seen in a while. I think I think we're looking at what he's more done in 2016, 2017, 2018, 2019. Um, when he's healthy, he's still extremely efficient, and I think that. Being out there with Der- with with Donovan Mitchell, he's finally going to have a guard that could set him up, mm-hmm. and 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 I think he's going to be playing around, you know, a younger big man that's going to be easier to feed passes to than an older aging Marcus All. Mm-hmm. And those past two years, at least when he's been healthy for Memphis, they haven't been great teams. So I think now having additional players with talent like Donovan Mitchell, Joe Ingles, Rudy Gobert, Royce O'Neal, going to be very productive to his stat line. Yeah, and I mean, the other thing I'm kind of looking at, I'm kind of talking my way out of that questions that I had earlier. Um, Ricky Rubio last year, 6.1 assists, so if Conley's able to do that, that'd be great. Another thing that if Conley can do better than Rubio will help the Jazz is three-point shooting. Rubio last year averaged about 3.7 attempts, made about 31% of them. Where Mike Conley last year was averaging about six per game. He's averaged six threes per game for the last three years. The only question is, what are we going to see? And I know 2017, 2018, I kind of want to throw out the window because he only played 12 games. Are we going to see last year where he was shooting 36.4? Still above average. Or 2016, 17, which I would really like to see 40%. I know it's only 4% difference, but. If he could be a 40% three-point shooter from beyond the arc, that's kind of something that from the point guard position, you know, Utah hasn't had that the past three years because I know 2017, 2018. Well, Rubio, Rubio's best year was 36%. Rubio, and we're saying that's the baseline yeah. for Mike Conley in the past three years. Yeah, it was 35.2 last yeah, year. I, we're gonna, well, two years ago. He's he's going to be, he's going to be, that's what mm-hmm. I was saying early. He's he's more of a consistent three-point shooter than yeah. Rubio is. And that's going to be what's going to open up that offense a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a big thing, too, with them, uh, they had three picks from 50 to 60. Two of them, I think, are going to be G-Leaguers. One that I'm very interested in, Mayoni, the Yale kid. Um, I don't know if he's going to make a major impact on that team. Three-point shooter, though. Um, but he is a three-point shooter, and he is a bigger guard. He's going to probably be backing up Donovan Mitchell. Um, they do have some interesting guards, too, but no, nothing great. Um, you know, Dante Exum is the biggest what-if in basketball in like the past five years. I mean, mm-hmm. that dude got a huge contract extension, and when he's played, he's been interesting, but he's always been getting hurt. 
Um, and they got Raul Nato as well. Um, it's on the books for 2.15. But I, I think what they're going to need is going to be adding a player at that four spot because although Favors is on the books for 16.9, I think they're, they should probably look mm-hmm. to move him and look to add a player that can stretch the floor because I would say make Rudy Gobert old school Dwight Howard and just surround him with shooters mm-hmm. and have him run the floor up and down and have him you know be a rim runner as well. Uh, he, I don't think he's as great of a passer as, as Howard was at a low post, but I think that Gobert can do that, at least similarly. Uh-huh. And I, I think this team could be very interesting if Gobert's put in a situation like that. I could also be talking on my ass because it's 137. <laughs> I, but I, fuck it. Rudy Gobert's Dwight Howard now. I, I, I agree in the sense of I think that Jarrell Brantley and Justin Wright Foreman um, out of Charleston and Hofstra, um, respectively. Hofstra. Power forward, point guard, probably G-leaguers for them. Um, Oni's the interesting one. Um, the thing that intrigued me with him when we were talking second-round talents is his three-point ability, um, which I think, like you said, could get him into the discussion of like, hey, maybe we should have him on the roster and not have him be a G-leaguer. Plus, I don't think he's bad enough. Um, if he improves the defense... He could be a three and D player um, for them, but it's how he's much a growth. Big ass guard. He's six six two oh six. Yeah, um, is what he is right now, and he was. Free he's two SPN. pounds lighter than Bobo. Yeah, and Bobo went in the second round, also a few picks um, before him. But it'll be interesting to see what the Jazz do. Another interesting thing will be I mentioned the seven. They could be the six because the Warriors probably if they do keep Durant, he's probably from what I hear not playing next season. And play and I think the biggest thing until is, the end of the year. I think the biggest thing too is just the the, the differential between what the Warriors were mm-hmm. compared to everyone last year is going to be so much that that gap is going to be shortened because yeah, they don't because have Durant a one, or Clay. One, what I'm saying is the one isn't going to be a Warriors one. It's mm-hmm. just going to be a one seed, and that yeah. that that makes the West more wide open. Mm-hmm. Although it's going to be difficult for them to you know possibly get a higher seed. Mm-hmm. If they go up against the one seed, they might be able to actually take them down. That's what I'm excited about. Give me your give me your very early early predictions for the free pre free agency of the Western Conference. Oh man, um, I'm going to say Denver at one. Um, wouldn't have said that last year, but I'll say it this year. Um, Denver at one. Ooh. Clippers at two, because I think Kawhi is going to go there. Um, so Denver, Clippers, Houston, L.A. at four, Portland at five. Uh, yeah, Portland at five, Golden State at six, Utah at seven, and all the Kings make the playoffs at eight. The only thing I'm waiting for is the um, the Warriors. Because Kevin Durant will probably not play next year, from what we're hearing now, Clay will probably be come back late season. The Demarcus Cousins, I just can't wait for the Warriors to basically, hey, well, we're hey, the sixth seed, and then who we play, we get our, Clay back, and then we beat you in the first and round. According to our comment section, <laughs> it doesn't matter if KD's ready to play because he's going to be in New York. So if he's playing, yeah. he's playing in a Knicks uniform. Uh-huh. Um, I will slot the fantastic, mm-hmm. lovely. Great team. Uh, that is the Los Angeles Clippers at the number one seed. Ooh. I also think that they will sign Ka- Kawhi Leonard. And I think that that team without Kawhi Leonard was 
overachieving and now adding Kawhi Leonard. Also, Dave uh, was saying that, that uh, Co- there were pictures Kawhi enrolling his uh, his daughter in schools in Toronto, so they may keep him. But he I was still, at a Blue Jay game as well. Yeah, I still think so. that he's going to the Clippers. I, if, it's hard to. This is my pre. This is yeah. my pre free agency projections. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll I'll. I, he might stay in Toronto. I'd yeah. love it if he stayed in Toronto. Uh, but I'll say he goes to the, the Clippers. And Sean's I, like, I want some loyalty, man. Yeah, I'll say he goes to the Clippers, um, and he's and he's he helps them to the number one seed. Uh, I will take the uh, fellow Los Angeles team as well, and I will say that the Lakers are the two seed. Damn, um, LA one two. Damn, give me a fucking LeBron James <laughs> AD and possible question marks. Um, then at three, I will take the Portland Trailblazers. At four, I will take the Golden State Warriors. Mm-hmm. At five, I'll take the... Or, no. No. Wait, what, what so you said LA, LA. Portland. What about Denver? Portland at three. Denver at four. Ooh, Utah Denver falls to four? Utah at five. All right. Um, Don't you do it. Utah at five. You got Houston? Six, six for Houston, seven for Golden State, eight for the Spurs. So we both have the Thunder falling out of the playoffs. Oh shit! Yeah, that's the West is loaded. You know what? Screw it. Kings are out. Thunder are in. Thunder are my AC. <laughs> shit, the West is loaded. <laughs> the Thunder, the Kings could be better. The I want oh. the Mavericks to be better than they were last year. <laughs> I know. Who the hell? Kawhi can't go to the Clippers. Fuck. <laughs> oh. He'd make the West too good. Does Golden State miss the playoffs? No, maybe. I don't want to. Could you imagine they miss the playoffs, win the lottery? <laughs> miss the playoffs, win the lottery. And then, Wiseman. And, and then they get, what if they keep KD and they get Clay and KD Wiseman. back? Um, no. Shit. The thing that, oh, what was I going to say? No, it's, too um, it's too late for this shit. No, there was something It's was too say. early and it's too late for this shit, Ricky. You, you it's know, not even Jake's going Jake's to kill 30th. me for this because I've been telling him this the whole time. Right. The thing that would be really interesting for me is if that third max player or that third piece that the, the Lakers, Lakers are able to add, that's Jimmy Butler. If Philadelphia is like, no, we weren't able to re-sign him, and it's LeBron, Jimmy, and AD in L.A., and then Kawhi and whoever would go with Kawhi. I don't even know who would go with Kawhi. Al Horford. Al Horford. Um, we, that is the surprise. Well, the Sixers were the surprise team for Al Horford. See, that's the thing. Even if LeBron, AD, and Jimmy Butler teamed up, they'd be the two seed. Maybe we they'd should. Co- they'd coast. Maybe we should live stream when uh, free agency opens. The coast. We should. <laughs> Let us know your thoughts on Mike Conley going to the Utah Jazz. I think that they could be a team that could possibly make some noise, maybe mm-hmm. make it to the Western Conference Finals. But in the end, I don't think they're a title contender. But you never know. Maybe they'll sell some souls. Maybe they'll go get fucking Justice Winslow. Maybe uh, po- Justice Winslow makes maybe a title Polinka contender. will actually learn, uh, actually open up the CBA and learn how the salary cap works. What does that have to do with the Jazz? No, I'm talking about the Lakers because we we're talking mm. about salary caps. No, I was I was in the podcast. Oh, okay. and I was wrapping up the Jazz talk. Oh, okay. And I said they'll probably become a title contender if they had Justice Winslow. Um, nothing. All right, that was a joke. Whatever. Oh, I Ricky's. I thought you were closing I, the podcast, man. Dude, it is two in the morning. Yeah. Cut me some slack. Let us know what you think about Mike Can- Conley <laughs> becoming a Utah Jazz. Thank you for watching. At this point. 
seven plus hours. What? Patreon. I'm run, I'm I was going to do them. it. Okay. Thank you for watching the seven plus hours <laughs> of NBA content that we put out. Oh, man. If you want to support you. this for some reason, <laughs> check out patreon.com slash most valuable podcast. You can check out our bronze tier. Our Discord's still popping off at 1.44 a.m. You can check out. Jake never sleeps. You can check out the gold tier where you can call into a podcast and call us idiots for uh, for something. Shimori, for everything. Shamori to Houston. Hmm. I like it. Or you could suggest <laughs> some better topics, like, uh, you know, I don't know, whatever you fucking think of. We mm-hmm. can't think of it. That's why you're thinking think of it and suggest it to us at the Silver Chair at $5. You could also subscribe to us on twitch.tv slash mostvailpodcast, um, and, and you could subscribe to us if you have mm-hmm. uh, Amazon Prime. Uh, you know, if you have it already and you're not subscribed to anybody, just go give us some uh, go give us some love on twitch.tv slash mostvailpodcast. It's free money. Why not throw it our way? Exactly. You're not using it. <laughs> Exactly. We can use it's not it. like you can cash it in at the bank. Well, we can't. I use feel it. so weird saying that. What free money? Yeah, if you're not using it, we could use it. That dude, seems desperate, dude, but we it's need, true. We're in a box, a box of emotion and pizza. That's what we're in right now. Here, a couple boxes. It's a box. You taking the pizza home? Do you want it? I don't really want it. I'll take it. All right, cool. Yeah. All right, whatever. We're in <laughs> the podcast. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to this MVP podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod for more great podcasts.